What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we are jumping back into the time vortex, and we might be travelling to 84, 91, 2018. We could be all over the place, pretty much like the plots in these later films. Uh, we are going to be covering the later films in the Terminator franchise, but I'm not doing it alone. Brian, you're back. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Thanks for welcoming me back. I really appreciate it, so... No, thanks for coming on. In fact, I'm going to say thank you for sticking around for these two films because, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we've talked about two fantastic sci-fi films and Terminator 3. Um, yep. And now we're going to talk about Terminator Salvation and Terminator yep. Genesis. And then we're going to dip mm -hmm. into a little bit of the comics. Yep. So and, You know, it, it, it's almost weird because, like, you know, today me setting up my computer was giving me some audio problems, so it's almost like Skynet is, is coming online. They don't want us to do this episode, <laughs> but we got to power forward and do it anyway, man. It's a suicide mission. It's a one-way trip. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, Matt Smith doesn't want us to do this. I've not got enough his career. I can probably see why. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we'll travel to 2009 and the release of Terminator Salvation. So... What, what are your initial thoughts on this? And before we get into anything, obviously it came out, it'd been uh, yeah. seven, no, six years since the release of, of Terminator 3. Um, yeah. So what were your thoughts when Salvation was announced and it was coming out? Well, you know, it, it was a mixture, Scott, right? So it was one part uh, excitement, of course, uh, being a diehard fan of the franchise for such a long time. And, uh, and honestly, it's um, it's one of those things where, I mean, the, the franchise has been so close to my myself and even my wife that we even had the um brad fidel's score at our wedding when we entered the the venue we had the uh, the terminator theme song uh play as as we walked in uh to the reception so it's uh and, and all my friends turned to each other and i saw them going is this freaking terminator so it was just uh it, it was perfect you know but with oh, all that being off. said so, 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 hats yeah. off to that that's amazing well <laughs> to you and your wife spot on that's amazing <laughs> you know, it, it's it, you got you got to come in with a splash. You know what I'm saying? You you got to make it make a big move like that. But indeed. So with all that with all that being said, Scott, I was one part's nervous, one part's excited. Just like a lot of fans, um, you know, at the time I was a pretty big fan of uh, Christian Bale. Uh, you know, mm. um, he he had done some of the Batman movies, of course. Uh, he had done Equilibrium, which uh, I'm a fan of, and mm. American Psycho. A, a lot of movies. You know, some people uh, really don't like him as much now. You know, but at the time. I was kind of excited about his casting because I felt like he was one of Hollywood's real uh, big stars at the time. And I'm like, wow, what a coup for them to have gotten uh, Christian Bale as John Connor. I couldn't believe it. Um, but as the release date was coming closer and closer, just like Judgment Day coming closer and closer, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm like, uh, I don't know if we should go. And we ended up going, I think, to a midnight screening. And uh, and then we'll talk about our, our feelings after that. Yeah. Uh, how about you, my friend? How about you? Uh Similar, really. I mean, you're right. You know, I remember seeing the cast and um, you know Christian Bale. Let's say uh, big, big get. Like you say, was a sort of known as a method actor. 
yeah. uh, was really sort of uh, on a high, like you said, um, American Psycho, um, yeah, the Batman films, uh, Equilibrium, he done the Machinist, so he was really sort of, you know, he was he was known to be a very intense actor. So I was like, oh, that, that's a that's a get. And then Sam mm-hmm. Worthington, who was you know famous for a hot minute. Um, and and then you know there's some of the Anton Yelchin. I was actually quite a, I'm quite a fan of him. Um, yeah. You know, uh, when he was around, sort of uh, not just Star Wars, but like Odd Thomas and some other stuff he did as well. So yes, yep. Look at the cast. I was like, oh yeah, this this could be really good. And then I remember seeing sort of the trailers, and this is one of those things in in you know your marketing. You either get it right or you <laughs> blow it. And um, with many of the sort of Terminator films that they've done in the past, well, there's not you know, more Terminator Two really. There's yeah, there's a reveal, mm-hmm. and this this is going to be a bit of a running theme for this podcast. But there's a reveal, <laughs> yes. And they showed the reveal in the trailer. Now, Ugh. in the research for this, I was like, I, I, I may have made this up in my head. Like I may have overblown okay. this. So I went yep. back to see the very first trailer. I YouTubed it. Had a look at the first trailer. No, it's in there. So. <laughs> So spoilers throughout all this. We're going to be talking it. But they reveal that Sam yeah. Worthington is a machine, like a Terminator, <laughs> in the trailer. Oh, my God. And that's not that's supposed to be kept a secret for at least an hour or not more in the film. Right. Um, and so I remember seeing that and just being like, what? like it's almost like, well, if they're showing us that, there must be something amazing coming. Um, no, that, that was it. <laughs> so... I, it was just an odd, odd choice on the on the marketing side, and I can't believe that, that, that you know the the studio let that pass. Like that was their get. That was like, oh, well, okay, we're not going to trust mm. the audience. They want to see Christian Bale or Sam Worthington or all these other cast, right. or even the fact it's a Terminator film. They don't want that. Mm-hmm. We've got to show mm-hmm. them something else. It, oh, bad choice. Yeah. Do you, uh, Scott? Quick question. Do you mm. think that they were they knew that Arnie really wasn't in the movie, uh, you know, uh, in a real way, uh, tan and tangible way? That they were just trying to really kind of grasp at straws to get the all the the older fans back into it. Like you said, it, it it had been a hot minute since Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines had been released, and this is really the first one that Arnie wasn't directly involved with. So uh, I'm wondering if they were like really trying to throw everything at the wall to see what what stuck. Just to get people in the door, because I, I I was very upset when I saw that because I felt like that could have been a great reveal uh, during the movie, especially how the movie plays, which we'll mm. talk about. Is you know it's a big reveal moment, but if you see the the commercials, you are almost just reverse engineering in your head. Okay, how are they going to get to this point where he's a robot kind of thing? So yes. I don't yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's I wonder if that's what they were trying to do. It's crazy. I, I actually that's a really good point, and I think you might be right that they were. They were like, well, the biggest get. Or the biggest sort of name on the, in the previous trilogy was was Arnie, right? <clears throat> and now you've got a whole new cast, and so yeah, it was clear they were nervous and they had to show there was something. Um, yeah. And it, it just shows again this thing of studios not trusting that the the, um, the premise really. Yeah. I mean yeah. the big the big thing for me actually the big the big attractor for me wasn't so much the whole Arnie thing. It was. Oh, we're going to get to see you know post judgment day. We're going to get to see yep. people living in the apocalypse. That's the actually future war. Really cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But that, that wasn't enough. They were like, oh no, you've got to have this. You've got to have that. So it was interesting. The the marketing on this was very interesting. Um, yeah. And we'll get into the future marketing as well. But uh, let's give a quick rundown for anyone who hasn't seen this. Uh, we'll give a quick rundown. So. Uh, it stars Christian Bale, as we said, Sam Worthington, Anton Yelchin, Moon Bloodgood, Bryce Dallas Howard, 
uh, directed by Muck G, and we'll talk about him in a bit as well. <laughs> Written by um, John Broncato and Michael Ferris, who yep. we have returning. heard and spoke. Yep. Yeah, returning from T3 and having done Catwoman previously to that. So, you know, really really high calibre. But a quick synopsis, really. In in the post-judgment day uh, world, now 2018, humans fight for survival and against Skynet. During Mm -hmm. a mission to gain information, John Connor's team are attacked. The fallout of the battle releases Marcus Wright a man who was supposed to have been executed before the war started. Marcus comes across survivors, including a teenage Kyle Reese. However, Kyle is taken by the machines to a concentration camp. Marcus finally joins up with John Connor and his team, and during a showdown it's revealed that Marcus is actually a machine. Unsure if he can be trusted, John has to use Marcus to rescue Kyle and protect the future and the past. So that's sort of the the general synopsis of it mm-hmm. but but so let's so let's sort of get into it and let's sort of like i said let's get to the big thing first this is set post-judgment day so what are your thoughts yep. on that uh it's it's set post-judgment day but i think for myself and uh, probably quite a other few fans as well i'm guessing uh it's not the same as what we were expecting there's a lot mm-hmm. of changes which is fair because i know a lot of movies they got a you know uh forge their own path and and don't just be derivative of everything uh and i and i can understand that because they want to give something new to the viewers um but uh this is something at least if if it's fan service uh, they did a poor job at it because is it the future war that we that we are we're expecting no it's not it very much it's different um and they kind of uh, play around with the whole concept of fate and you know what's changed how things are and, and that's even with with both of the movies that we'll be talking about today it's it's like they account for changes by saying oh it's more timeline splitting and things are changing than they they were originally so it's not what we were expecting and and that's a shame because we have all i think in our heads has certain vision of a cameron-esque future war you know um where that i i've had friends who saw this movie and said that they would prefer the five six minutes of the future war scenes in the earlier films than this entirety of the movie because it's so very different it's very much a daylight kind of a movie uh it's very bright in a lot of times and that kind of goes against what we expect in some ways uh, we're used to it being nighttime or very blue and this is uh very different there are night scenes in this movie but it's very very different so it's it's a disorienting uh film in a lot of ways uh the opening scene is is a testament to that it goes all over the place and mm-hmm. it just thinking about it it's it doesn't connect i think with the viewers as much as even some of the earlier ones you know even t3 to an extent you know it, it, t3 has its own issues at the beginning but uh as we said last episode but this is right off the bat it's hard for us to care about these characters because they've kind of created a situation with two protagonists and we'll get to that mm. it's you have not one one person to really kind of invest in it's kind of split into two and you don't even know if you really like either of the characters to root for <laughs> because of how they act um but we like i said we'll get to that what, what were your thoughts scott no it's it's similar it's funny because like i say i was actually really excited this concept of it being in the post uh judgment day world this idea of mm-hmm. it being um yeah. you know the 
the barren landscape and okay okay we're gonna get to see a, a destroyed los angeles and all this other stuff i was like, oh this could be yeah. really cool <clears throat> um you know this is some nuclear wasteland you sort of you know we're we expecting something close to mad max or are we going to get something different like it was and then mm-hmm. when you say when you get when you get into it, it's like oh, it's the Nevada desert. Mm-hmm. It it you know there's so much that's just like oh, we're just gonna film it in the desert, and you're just like, where's where's all the destroyed cities? Where's all the <laughs> where you know where's all the where's the good bit? Where's the the interesting stuff? And it just mm-hmm. it felt it felt like a a cop out. Yeah. Um, and so every now and then they'll do bits, and uh, you know, the, oh, here's a car with here's a road with some cars at the side, and and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And no, so I agree. So my expectation was at least at some part, even if it had been yeah. for a short section, like we were going to get a, a bit in a you know a really sort of like um, decimated city, and it was going to be mm-hmm. like the camera, as you said, the Cameron esque uh, post Judgment Day world. <laughs> I just don't get it. And it just feels mm-hmm. it, it feels it feels like we've been cheated in that respect. Yep. Love the concept. Execution fell really short. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it, it the thing is as well, you're right about the two protagonists. Like it, it's I I go on there about Marcus Wrights, and I've just got to say as well the name Wright. I hate that in script in story, screen um, play when they do a you know writing. We've got to make sure to really hammer home that actually he is a good guy. So his name's Wright. <laughs> you just like useless um <laughs> mark is but, wrong hmm. see yeah, if that, yeah see if that would have worked <laughs> but it's like he is the protagonist like sam worthington is the protagonist of this but i wanted john connor's story <laughs> do you know what i mean like how did okay so john connor actually becomes the leader of the resistance this idea of him being the prophet and the savior and um right. de- him dealing with that sounded interesting but that isn't this film mm-hmm. it is this film yeah, but it, it's it's not you know it's almost like they didn't have the guts to do that they had to have on um, add on um, yeah. another character and it, I don't know it, it's a bad choice. It just seemed like they had two half stories that they mm. weren't really fully fleshed out. They kind of didn't know what to do. And I mean we're not privy to all the the Hollywood machine and how like the the rights the producing rights went from person to person and then like it, it, it's very very strange stuff what happened and then even like all the behind the scenes like we just see the finished product right and yeah. you know it, when people talk about films the, there's something they say about movies where movies are basically done in three in three ways you know it's written as one film it's shot as another and it's edited as a third and by, by the mm-hmm. end of the editing process you have what you have and it's like so sometimes the writers get mad at the director and the and the editors get, you know work with the director and everything is it's such a a weird uh, team concept that sometimes it's a lot of issues and, and there were obviously issues on this set with uh, Mr. Shane Hurlbut and, and Christian Bale mm. they, we'll talk about that later on but mm. they they that famously became big on the news where Christian Bale snapped at one of the crew members you know and so there's just a, a lot almost stacked against this movie because it's hard to live up to Cameron's vision of course right um, but it, it's they didn't I don't think they knew what to do it's like Possibly they wrote it as a Marcus Wright story, but then they were thinking maybe John Connor, who a lot of fans care about, want to see what happens, would maybe come in at the end or as a cameo role, like a small role, and then we go from there. But it seems like as Christian Bale got more involved, I wonder if they were like, well, let's try to write it so that give him more meaty lines, give him something to someone to talk to, give him radio parts where he's getting the troops rallied up. 
it's like it's almost like you had two kind of half stories and they sort of smash them together and they don't fully work and if you think about it right so Kate Brewster returns in this one as well as well as John Connor now those are the two leads from Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines they mm-hmm. were the protagonists they were the the ones we were rooting for and there are scenes in this one that make us root against them which is odd for the viewer I think because if you're at least familiar with the franchise and mythology it's strange, Scott, because they they wrote it so it would be a continuation from Terminator 3 to some extent because the characters are there. But now we don't like them because they yell at people, they have snap judgments, they are always kind of rooting against the other protagonists. It's very strange, Scott. It's I like I'm watching it just scratching my head. I really I was stunned rewatching it. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it is interesting. I mean, I think you have a really good point there, Brian, about this idea that it's a Marcus Wright story. Now, one of the things I remember from when this was first being sort of talked about, and yeah. I remember reading it in sort of film magazines and stuff, was that this was going to be, and they, they always say it, it's like one of the things that Hollywood rolls out every now and then, but this was going to be the start of a new trilogy. Like we've got we've got mm-hmm. three new films planned, and then this first, but this first one's a contained story, and then it'll mm-hmm. go, you know, then we can do other things. And I was like, oh, that sounds right. exciting. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. And I almost feel like that that was you can see that in the film that that was clearly their intent <laughs> that this yep. is setting up you know this whole new thing and it was it was going to be after this you've then got um you know I'm sure it'd have been like John John Connor sort of uh, mentoring Kyle Reese and you know you'd have had that thing about oh actually he's got, but now he's got a machine's heart and all this other stuff so yeah right they set up some interesting some interesting sort of you know tidbits for the future. But it's almost like, like you say they're sort of they're so rushing to get to that nexus point for the other two mm-hmm. films. Yeah. Okay, we, yep. we want to do this in two and three, so we've mm-hmm. got to have we've got to sort of like set up you know all the dominoes for that. Right. Like you say, they just sort of cram all this this basically what becomes crap into it, um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't breathe. And it should yeah, you really should just be one or the other. Um, and I think the other thing is we're dancing around. Well, you, you've made it quite a plain actually. Maybe I was dancing around it is. John Connor in this is an utter prick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact words I use in my notes, Scott. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Is it the script's characterization or is it Christian Bale? And I was really sort of <laughs> to and fro in on this. And I think it's, a, it's clearly a bit of both because the dialogue yeah. is the dialogue. Right. But Christian Bale doesn't have come... He, he, he's very good in... Um, one of my favourite films that he's done is American Psycho. I think he's mm-hmm. wonderful in that. You know, as sort of like yep. an unhinged. He's got a certain charisma and all this other stuff. He's brilliant in it. But in mm-hmm. this, he's like a charisma vacuum. Like <laughs> he's he's just so just he's not a leader. That's the problem I have. Like you'd hear him on the radio and be like, "Oh, that Pratt's had it again. Shut shut him <laughs> off." Like he's he's shouting at us again. Like just stop it. Um, it it just doesn't work. I don't I don't believe him as the leader of the resistance by the end of this film. Yeah. And I don't know what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that. I, I agree completely. And you know, it's uh, I mean, some people commend uh, Christian Bale for his intense acting style. You know, I believe he's an Academy Award winner. You know, and and he's done and he's famous for putting his body into uh, extreme mm. transformations for his roles. Uh, mm. You know, over the years, you know, and it's really it's that's impressive. You know, and like I said, when he was first cast, I was like, wow, that's that's a big get. That's a real great boon for this movie. And uh, maybe it's a good things to come, perhaps, you know? And obviously, it, it's the characterization, as well as probably 
I, I'm going to put this on Mick G. I, I really, I got to put some of this on Mick G because I, I'm, um, I'm trying to be fair here. I, I'm not a big Mick G fan. I've seen a lot of interviews with him where he's, um, he's just as angry as Christian Bale in some interviews. You know, he, he mm-hmm. just seems like he's got a chip on his shoulder, and maybe that's from being named Mick G or something, yeah. <laughs> or ha- having that as his uh, as his name that he's going by. Um, but I've seen interviews with with the director where you know uh, you know some little fluff press interviews where they're asking the cast and crew questions about the Terminator mythology and. To, to be fair, the, the whole cast, Bale included, play along uh, well, just like they're supposed to. And like, oh, yeah, they're guessing. And you cut to Mick G, and he's getting pissed because he doesn't agree with the answers that um, that he that is being said back to him. So he's, he's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not true. No. They're like, it, it's like all this stuff that we joked about with the trivia of the Terminator mythology. They brought up to him in the, this interview, and it stuck on my mind where he's like, no, no, you're wrong. And it's like, what? <laughs> so it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. But you have a director who's trying to, I mean, it, it's up to the director to tone down the performance if it's too much or get more if it's too little. Um, some characters in this movie are emotionless. I mean, you have the little girl star. She is almost a non-character in a way. Mm-hmm. And then you have other characters who are flying off the handle. Even Kate Brewster, who is a compassionate character in T3, a lot of fans freaking hate her in this one because she's actively going against Marcus Wright, trying to eradicate him. It's like, you all, it, it just subverts expectations, you know? <laughs> it's well, totally crazy, you know? But, no, you, you're you know. right. And I, I think you're right to put it on McG, because I think if you look at the cast, and in, in particular, let's look at those two, Christian Bale and, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, yeah. Like I say, if you go see, like, American Psycho, but if you go see, like, The Prestige, um, right. and other, even, even some, like, you know, uh, Batman Begins... Right, like Bale can convey uh, vulnerability and a softness yeah. and all this other yeah. stuff. Like you know, he's more of a leader and stuff at the end of Batman Begins than he is in this whole film. I um, agree. I agree, Scott. Yep. And yep. and Bryce Dallas had the same. Like you know, I've seen her in films, and she she can she's really good at acting. Like if you you know if you've seen the Help, she can be a complete bitch. But then she, I've seen her in things where she can be <laughs> soft and and vulnerable right. and, and you know play up that sort of like feminine side kind of stuff. like she's right. really good actress in this like it, it, I almost feel like there are scenes where I almost think like uh, McGee just shouts action to take them by surprise like they're not ready yeah. like, action and they're yeah. like oh shit what are we doing because um, yeah. they look stunned it, it, I don't know <laughs> it's just yeah there's, there's, there's scenes in this that baffle me um <laughs> And when I'm actually saying that, sort of, again, that like that Sam Worthington is coming across yep. more charismatic than Christian Bale, I think there's a problem. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> true. And, and you know, it's funny is that about Sam Worthington, right? Is a lot of people hate on him because of X, Y, and Z, you know. And in watching this, yeah, he had to deal with the script that was given to him. But I, mm. I'm like. I'm more invested in his character than in John Connor, which is funny because Connor is was kind of the centerpiece of the franchise and the linchpin of the whole mythology, him and Sarah, of course, you know, but it's like, I, I'm going with the new guy. I'm. It's like, like this movie is making me love Sam Worthington, and that's that's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's like, that, okay, yeah, I'm giving him credit. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because at least, I mean, he, granted, he's a fish out of water, right? He's, yeah. yet again, you always need someone like this kind of protagonist who has no idea what the hell's going on. He wakes up in a world that's totally screwed up. It's totally weird. And uh, some people out there were saying that there's actually um, uh, parallels to stories like Wizard of Oz. Do you ever hear about this, Scott? With Terminator Salvation, 
equates to Wizard mm. of Oz. Did, did you hear no, about this in some way? No, sounds okay. interesting. So I, I won't go super into it because I don't remember the full details, but they were saying that there was some thoughts put in there that he's waking up in this new world. In a way, it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland or a Dorothy in Oz situation where he's doesn't know what's going on. He puts on kind of a bluish ro- uh, uh, jacket, and that's supposed mm-hmm. to be an allusion to the kind of the blue dress, so to speak, for Dorothy. He follows a yellow lines on the road once he discovers oh, God, the, yeah. the highway. Stuff like that, and it's like the, he's a tin man, basically. Like all this kind of weird stuff that it's like... They... Oh, and he gets to give his heart, doesn't he? Right, and that's another thing, too, with the heart. So there's like yeah. all these little parallels that were subtle, and I can appreciate that, but, you know, it's like, like I said... It's subtle enough that a lot of people didn't pick up on it, and I mean, it is what it is. It, it's it's a it's a very disorienting film from start to finish. That's I mean, I love that. That's a really because I do love, you know, getting into those sorts of things, and um, uh, you know, the problem with that is in this film, if you're gonna do that and you're gonna be arty, and I can see that McGee, you know, he clearly wants to be. There are shots in this that I think are, you know are interesting, and there's sort of certain choices. And you think, okay, you're trying to throw something in there, and if that's true with the whole <clears throat> Wizard of Oz, um, you know, kind of idea, that's great. But if you're going to do that level of subtlety and that sort of you know scholarly context, at least wrap it in a good film. You know, don't lose focus on that. Um, I think the thing is as well, like you say, you, you build up Marcus Wright. Sam Worthington's character throughout the film, you do. You want to follow his story. He's that fish out of water. He's lost in time, um, and you go, okay. You're, I'm, I'm following him. He's gruff. You don't. You're not. You know. You're not entirely sure because he's. Uh, yeah. So Mark Roy, he's actually um, a criminal, uh, and he was supposed to have been executed before the war began. Like you see him pre uh, Judgment Day, or yes, yeah, so you're not sure sort of how far before the Judgment Day is, and I suppose that doesn't really matter. But he hands his body over to Cyberdyne for their genetics department mm-hmm. so you know you see that there's a piece of paper that says cyberdyne on it and you think well that's 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 a bit of a tidbit right at the beginning um so yep. you, you know it's a mystery for us to be wrapped up in and so you are supposed to feel for him but you're also supposed to think that he's dangerous or he, he mentions that he you know he was involved in something that killed his brother and, and a friend um so he's sort of meant to be an anti yeah Yep, two, 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 two police officers and his brother, but we don't know the details. So that's right there. That's confusing to the mm. viewer, you know. So I'm never entirely sure if, like, you know, was it his fault? How much of a criminal? Is it, was it like a bank robbery? Was it what? Like, so you're not entirely sure, like, how much you're supposed. And it's never, it's never revealed. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think you're it's right. supposed to be revealed. But um, it, it, so when you go into the sort of thing of you, you do get to like him, and he is shown to be sort of that gruff, heroic character. Um, yeah. But so when so you know, when you do build up to this reveal, uh, and we'll get to the reveal in a minute, sort of like of yeah. him being a machine, you're supposed to feel it. It's supposed to be like, oh my god, you know, is he a a goodie or a baddie? Like, what's he for? Uh, and his reaction to it is right. supposed to sort of like tug at your heartstrings. But there's so much unclear about him that you know, and also then you get like John <laughs> Connor's reaction, um, and everything that you just sort of like. <laughs> I'm, at that point, I'm like, I'm not sure who I'm supposed to root for or follow at this point. <laughs> it, you know, yeah. and it just becomes, um, and there's almost like an arrogance to John Connor at this point because sort of, you know, he's got in. Yes. And he says, "You've been yes. sent to kill yep. me," and it's just like, "What?" Everyone else went, "Whoa!" You know, Claire, um, <laughs> Catherine Bruce would be like, "Wait, wait a minute!" There was one sent to me too. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not all right, <laughs> you, John. It just. It, 
Yeah, he's a bit narcissistic in this one, but you know that you know, he has been told since he's been born that you know he's uh, he's the reason why the world is is gonna yeah. survive. You know, so you know he's yeah he's getting a little arrogant at this point. You know, but but it's crazy because we we can't get behind him because his decisions are so irrational. Usually, mm. he's always flying off the handle, just like you said a little while ago. The dude's jumping out of a helicopter. First of all, don't get him in a helicopter because it's going to crash every single time you get him in a damn helicopter. I think he piloted three one, three helicopters in this one and they all crashed. So good luck at the end of the movie where he's flying off in the helicopter. Yeah. See you later. You know, that's the end of John Connor right there. But the dude's jumping out of helicopters. He's, he's you know, bring me to base. Bring me to headquarters. You know, get some frogmen out there. The, the dude is flying off the handle so much that the the viewer can't connect with him. No, he's not uh, a character you can really empathize. You you dislike him yes. out of the gate, and it's just very not. It's not a great way to endear your audience to the characters. And you know, it's funny because you have Marcus Wright on the other side of the story, who's confused and totally uh, unsure of what the hell's happening around him. And that's the experience of a lot of the viewers of this movie as well, because we're along for the ride. Like the viewers aren't one step ahead of the characters, which is how a lot of good movies are. You have the characters are learning what's happening, figuring out what's happening, but the viewers are in on the story, mm. and we can kind of like be one step ahead. We're behind. Yeah. Like we're we're like as behind as Marcus Wright or further back. So that I think is just not an enjoyable experience when we're going. What's going on? Why is Connor jumping down a big giant? Uh, te- technology uh, gap in the earth like what is going like nothing makes sense at all and the fact that we can't connect the characters is frustrating you and I watched yes. the director's cut yeah, is that yeah, correct did, Scott yeah. so okay I don't know how much longer that the director's cut is maybe you can uh, you let me know if you know but it's usually director's cuts fill in the gaps of the story and there are a few moments here like character moments later on with Blair and Marcus that are good but sometimes they added a few scenes that make less sense like there's a sequence at the start of the movie, Scott, where they're in a, a, a water-filled tunnel, <laughs> and this scene was in the trailer, but cut out of the theatrical yeah. cut. A big giant T1 machine pops out of nowhere, and they gun it down, and mm. it dies very, very quickly. But it, they walked right over that part of the the sewer, didn't encounter anything. It's only about five feet deep, from <laughs> yeah. what I can imagine. And this this humongous ten foot hulk comes out of the water. Nothing makes sense at all, and that's a super frustrating thing for people. It, it is. It's, it's so all over the place. It's just. It's just. You, you're right, though. Like you say, the whole. Um, the, the weird thing is, they want to give you like the minutia of information, but they're not willing to fill plot holes. So you're right. Mm-hmm. So that opening scene. Yep. I have no idea why they've chosen. Why like Connor's team are attacking this one thing? Why there's a hole in the ground there? Why there's nothing there? Why is even Marcus right there? Is it forgotten by Skynet? Don't know. But they do find out there that the reason that the people are being uh, um, corralled, like why people are being captured, is actually for research and development. Yeah. Um, yep. So you know, yeah, she says, or be, you know, it says here they've been taken to an uh, an R and D facility, and you go, well, how how do you know this an R and D facility? And then he sees the whole, he sees right, the, right. you know, the, there's a screen and it shows the sort of the T eight hundred, you know, the Ar- the Arnie model yeah. sort of a, you know in a, in a graphic. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they're using humans to sort of like, so they can try and synthesize human flesh. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. But then when they get to the end of the yeah. film, they've already done it. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what's Skynet doing with all these people then? I don't understand. I'm struggling with this. So what, what are they trying to develop now? Because the next develop is, T, is the T-1000, which is all metal. So it's, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, they try and give you something and they go, nope, not that. Um... I don't know. It's it's, um, yeah. There's some so there's some visuals in this that are quite good. 
you know, when the, uh, the, the, the there's, a, there's mm-hmm. a huge collection kind of robot that attacks a petrol station. Um, and yeah. this is <laughs> the harvester. They call yeah, it. And yeah. It's, they've got like, the, 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 the motorcycle robots and they've got the, the, um, the, the hydro bots, the sort of things in the water. All those are really cool ideas. I like some of those ideas because why would, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're, if you're Skynet, you want to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. Why would everything ha- be on two legs or walking? And why would it look human? There'd be all these different things. Yeah. But right. that's a, about it. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. And then we get to Kyle Reese. Let's just quickly talk about. I mean, Anton Yelchin I actually quite like. He's a good actor. Uh, you know, passed yep. way, way too yep. soon. Really tragedy. But yeah. um, in this, like, um, we've talked in the past about them sort of like shoehorning in past dialogue with as a bit of a wink and a nudge. Yeah. Yeah. This is right. the first time that I actually feel like, so. Um, uh, Kyle saves Marcus. And actually says to him, like, come with me if you mm-hmm. want to live. And it's the first time I'm like, well, actually, yeah. he did say it in the first film. So, yeah, I'll accept that. That's fine. It sort of feels fine. Yeah. But then we yeah. find out that it's Marcus Wright that happens to teach Kyle Reese about, you know, loop your shotgun over your shoulder uh, and wear it under your coat. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, stop it. <laughs> like, <laughs> now like, the first but I'd accept that, like, he would say that. Now you're just trying to force in sort of like minute. It's that minutia of detail again, which like it doesn't need yeah, it. Stop right. it. Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 I think this fall this falls into the same trap as movies like the the first Alien versus Predator, for example, mm. which I know you you did a thing with the Predator films a while back. But you know, it's like you know, uh, was it uh, Paul Paul W. S. Yeah. Anderson or Paul Anderson? He directed a- AVP, and you know it seemed like he put so many uh, little Easter eggs in to honor the o- earlier movies that he sometimes missed the bigger picture to make the film gel more with that series. And I think that's possibly similar to how Mick G and the writers of this film uh, they missed the boat as well because there are lines here, you know, like just like you said, um, Scott, you have the you know uh, come with me if you want to live. You know, he says to uh, he, I mean, Marcus says to Kyle and Star, you know, what day is it? Mm. What year? You know, that's like the cop from, from part one. You have um, John talking to Blair later on in the movie when they're discussing the fate of what they should do with Marcus when he's held captive. Blair keeps calling him a mm. him. And he says the line like Sarah said. He says, he's an it. He's not a him. Don't humanize yeah. him. You know, he's just a machine that looks like a person kind of thing. You know, so it's like there are little homages to the past and I appreciate some of that stuff, but if they if it was wrapped in a better movie, I would have sacrificed all that stuff just to have a better yes. movie. Uh, and I, I I can appreciate the attempts to bring in the T six hundred robots into the series, the, mm. the Terminators, and they do fit the description of what the earlier films describe. They're bigger, they're uh, they're easy to spot. However, but um, you know they're hulking monsters. They're kind of running down a little bit. They're not as smart as they will be eventually. But I mean that kind of makes sense if they're harvesting human tissue. They're trying to do genetics tests. Where now the next logical step is. Uh, flesh and blood mm. machines, you know, cyborgs, basically. But so that kind of makes sense. But the rest of the movie is really all over the place. It's it's hard it to really figure out. Um, and so, I think at that point, I mean, you know, I think we've both sort of voiced our opinions on Terminator Salvation. Um, so yeah. we'll leave that one there. It's it's you know, we we've left um, you know the original trilogy. We're now in a post Judgment Day world, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. 
it's it's the chaos that we expected. <laughs> Unfortunately, not in a good way. <laughs> um, but it, it, it wasn't uh, the success. I think they that you know that they were expecting. I think, as you say, it made McGee very mad. Um, and so we wouldn't get another uh, Terminator film until 2015, so another six years. You get quite mm-hmm. big gaps between the Terminator films. Um, well, you know, Scott, but real quick, bef- before we move on to the next one, so there's like at least maybe one thing that we can discuss about this mm-hmm. one briefly, about the original ending. So, uh, so the original ending about John's fate, what was going to happen to him at the end of the movie. Uh, do you want to discuss that a little bit to see what you know after he got his heart injured, what was going to happen? You so know? do you mean you mean him getting Marcus's heart or right? It, but then there was actually some. And I wasn't sure if um, we talked about this offline, but basically what I had heard was that one of the original ideas. I don't know how far it got was that John Connor was going to die at the end of this movie, and then Marcus was alive, hmm. right? So the theory was that the Resistance needed a leader, and this is what I want to get your opinion on: is that. They were going to surgically remove John Connor's face <laughs> from his skull and place it yeah, face-off yeah. style, just like face-off the movie, and put it onto Marcus's face. Did you ever hear that that rumor? And, and uh, it, uh, th- that was like a real strong rumor it, for a couple it was, years. Yeah. It rings a bell. It actually does ring a bell now that that, that was something that was going to happen, uh, and I'd forgotten all about that. <laughs> Especially because, <laughs> or blocked it out of your head. There's a, there's a reason <laughs> I forgot about that. Because the, the other thing is, is that you're right. Because um, one of the things that's sort of uh, been an, an identifying uh, marker for John Connor since mm-hmm. the earliest sort of ident- you know, th- I think in T2, this is the first time they show it, is uh, the, the mm-hmm. facial scars. Like he's got some very distinctive that's facial right. scars, and those have remained. Like they they, mm-hmm. they come up again in, in Terminator Genesis. Um, and in this film, you find out how he got them, and it, it's basically a, you know a superheated uh, Terminator scratches him down the face. And again, I'm happy. That's fine. It's sort of you know it's actually quite a cool thing. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. so I can I, I, this thing of removing his face uh, and having so yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't have saved the film. It wouldn't have made any difference. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm, <laughs> no, it, and you know it. Yeah, I, I, I was like, ahead, I'm, I'm glad sorry, they yeah. didn't do it. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> I have some friends who wish they went that way, even though that's that's a very dark mm. ending. Um, but it's uh, part of me. I'm wondering if they were leaning towards that during production, and maybe they had a second one filmed to go with or something. Because it, it almost seems like John is going to be the sacrifice at the end, like he's yeah. done, and then Marcus is now the role of the leader. Of course, it, I don't think it would make any sense because his troops would know it wasn't John. Well, but yeah. maybe. I don't know whether they have to pretend. I don't know. It's, it's well, it's interesting strange. that when you actually look at, uh, and that's you, you make a really good point because I suppose if you were to stand in two thousand nine, uh, you know, you stand uh, mm-hmm. Sam Worthington's uh, Marcus right next to Christian Bale's John Connor, like they're they're about the same yep. height, they're a similar build, they've both got that sort of short buzz cut hair. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they could. I could see them g- going down that route if they really wanted to. Um, it would it would have been mm. a thing. <laughs> um, I mean, fans come fans complain about the ending that's in the movie as it is because if you think about it, John Connor gets mortally wounded by uh, a T eight hundred. Which, first of all, it's nice seeing the the T eight hundred being a villain again. I, I think thought that was great. Um, it was I was actually pretty excited when they had Arnie's uh, mm. visual as the T eight hundred. That got me jazzed. Believe it or not, I was pretty. That's excited really about well that. done. Actually, that's one of the that things is, I liked yeah, about the movie. Yeah, that's really well done. Yeah. 
yeah, I was excited about that, and the fans in, in my uh, cinema were excited about that too. But, you know, when I think about the ending, a lot of fans hate the ending because think about it. John Connor got his heart mortally wounded, and now they're doing open heart <laughs> surgery for him uh, by a veterinarian in the middle of a sand swept desert, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? You know, no, 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 <clears throat> well, please, you're fine. <clears throat> you know, it's just. They can do yeah. it now. You know, you can have a heart transplant. It happens every day, I assume. You know, those sort of. But it's done in, like I say, a sterile thing. And not only that, they go down extensive checks to make sure that the organ is going to be accepted by the body. So, yeah, yeah it could have just been rejected. Like, you could have just lost both of them off the back of this. Um, it's, it's. Right. It right. feels like, it feels like a, a. It's a silly screenwriter ending. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we need a dramatic ending. We need, we need yes. something to sort of, like, keep people enticed about. This is what it's going to be, and it, it, it yeah, it's not right. well thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll still take that over the the face ending though, because that was something I, I would have. Pref- I would still prefer the heart surgery ending rather than to slicing off Christian Bale's yeah. face and stapling it to Marcus Wright's head. I mean, that's yeah, just, the fa- the facial that just yeah, bothers me. Unless. <laughs> Unless there was going to be a major casting shift for the next Terminator film, and Nicolas Cage was going to play John Connor. In that case, I mean, that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, this they say Terminator Salvation didn't do as well as they'd hoped. Um, they they yep. shut down the rest of this idea of the of the, uh, the future uh, post Judgment Day trilogy. It all got shelved, and mm-hmm. we get a new reboot in 2015 with Terminator Genesis um, mm-hmm. and uh, again you know they've, they've brought as you just said they tried it without Arnie pretty much in, in uh, Terminator Salvation so they're bringing Arnie back so the big draw for this one mm-hmm. was that Arnie was coming back and that you were going to get the young Sarah Connor and all this other stuff and I remember them teasing that mm-hmm. you're going to get scenes from the first Terminator and all this other stuff so what yep. were your thoughts when you first heard of you know Terminator Genesis? It was frustrating because as much as I had mixed feelings towards Terminator Salvation, there were some story elements that I thought they could carry forward to a next movie or two, and it sucks when they have to recast so soon after the quote-unquote start of a trilogy. Um, but you know it's one of those things where it's you just um, you just don't know. So honestly, it's going into it i was um i was apprehensive of course it was interesting that arnie was coming mm-hmm. back and and actually to be honest it, it was nice to have him back in this movie even though he's you know he, it's not a central role for him but he's in it quite a bit which was actually mm. pretty it's fun to have him back and we don't we didn't know the whole idea of how it was going to work with him as an aging actor and how they were going to make this unstoppable machine as a 67-year-old yeah. guy kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, um, But, you know, right off the bat, it's back to the original date of Judgment Day. So it's August 29th, 97. So right off the bat, they're kind of uh, erasing some of the um, the stains of the last few <laughs> movies with the sliding timescale a little bit. So it seems like it's almost like a direct sequel to T2 in a lot of ways, you know? Um, you know, back to kind of the, origin- the original storylines of certain things. Um, and at the end of the day it's it's a glorified mm-hmm. fan movie is a big budget <laughs> yeah. fan movie really because i've shown a few casual fans this film and they loved it they had a great time with it 
and that cannot be said about T4 mm. um, because there's it, T4 is so dense, so confusing. You can't. It, it doesn't even stand on its own, let alone as part of yeah. a series. So that's where T4 fails so bad. And this one has a lot of problems as well. But I think if you had at least seen part one, there's so many touchstones to part one that you kind of feel like you're watching part one in a way, which is good and bad because I'm sitting there with a smile on my face watching it. I'm quoting lines to a movie I'm currently in mm. right now because it's so it's so familiar. But that's derivative. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's very much like we've seen we've been there done that and it's like okay if you were uh, making a fan movie big budget you know you try to get as many cool people as possible you get arnie back you get someone from game of thrones you get a doctor who in there it's like all these things like squishing it together into a movie with a t-1000 and all these little moments that make up the previous movies but does that equate to a great film not necessarily Mm. you know how about you yeah it's one of those i remember <clears throat> when they first like announced the cast and they had like Arnie coming back and you're like oh great yeah like you say it'd be interesting to see how they're gonna do this um, and there was like mm-hmm. lots of different fan theories of like you say the whole thing of like well, you know he's covered in um, human tissue so it ages and all this other stuff and the cast looked good I mean you know yeah you say you had Matt Smith in an undisclosed mm-hmm. role um, I actually kind of like Jason Clark I think he's a he's a very sort of uh, he's a working actor he's very he's, you know he's quite middle of the road but I actually quite like him. Um, he's a he's, he's a yeah, better John Connor than than Christian Bale, um, we'll, but we'll get into that. Uh, Amelia Clark and Jake Jai Courtney again. I was a bit like, yeah, I'm not that bothered. Like you know, I thought Amelia Clark was very good in Game of Thrones. Jai Courtney sort of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen him in a couple of things. Um, the last Die Hard mm-hmm. film was just fucking horrendous. Mm-hmm. But you know, I thought, okay, this cast could be interesting. Let's see what they want to say. And then you start to get the, the news that, like, yeah, James Cameron says this is a true con- a successor to T2. Hearing that again at the moment. Huh. You know, this has got it all right. <laughs> it's going back to basics, blah, 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 blah. So I, I was all in, um, to be honest. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and then I sat down, and I actually, to be fair, I, I do, when I get really excited for a film, I, I, I watch the first trailer, and then I will blank it out. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm going to see it. I don't need to see the bits and pieces. So I saw the first trailer, and I was like, okay. <clears throat> there's some stuff in this that looks good I think I'm, I'm just gonna I really want to go into it fresh and, and then I went mm-hmm. to see it and um, yeah when, when we get to my plot description uh, you'll probably get how I feel about this film um, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll quickly run over sort of the you know the the, <clears throat> the players in it so like as we said you've got uh, it's directed by Alan Taylor who had done uh, Game of Thrones works so who'd only worked with Amelia Clark he did uh, uh, Thor mm-hmm. Uh, Dark World, uh, so he'd done sort of big budget stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Amelia Clark, Joy Courtney, Jason uh, Clark, and then cameo- cameoing in the the best thing of the film. Honestly, the best thing of the film is J.K. Simmons. Um, <laughs> written by uh, Lita Kalo Grolis, I can't pronounce that terribly, so apologies for that, and Patrick Lussier. Lussier. <laughs> Both of these are responsible for Dracula 2000, both 1 through 3, mm-hmm. Drive Angry, um, <laughs> Pathfinder, Alexander. Um, however, the sort of Alita uh, <coughs> had also been involved in Altered Carbon and Alita Battle Angel. So she seems to have redeemed herself a bit. Mm-hmm. But why in God's fucking yeah. name would you get the... Like, his only <laughs> writing credits are Dracula 2000, 1 through 3, and Drive Angry. <laughs> That's not... 
that's not <laughs> like you know a stamp of, of like he hasn't worked since this film by the way that, and, and he hasn't worked much before yeah I, I have no idea right like, it baffled me why these people were involved in this film um well, you know what's funny is actually, you know, one of my guilty pleasures is Dracula 2000 because it just, it's it's not a great movie, but it, it's, it's for me, it's a fun movie. And I love the cast too. It's a great cast, but it's one of the things where if you try to get someone for a big budget, kind of a restart yeah, of yeah. a franchise, you, you really should try to get somebody with some uh, heavy duty acting chops. I mean, you know, uh, for better or worse, think of the Star Wars series again. You know, we talked about it last episode, but you know, they went back, got Lawrence Kasdan, mm-hmm. got a, you got to try to get some components back from earlier Star Wars movies to try to like pay homage, but also move the story forward, quote unquote. You know what I mean? So when you have big budget movies like this, and if you don't have someone who knows what they're doing as a writer, it's going to be all over the place, man. That's why I think a lot of this movie is really just a rehash of things that we liked better. So like. <laughs> I bet you there's some fans who love this movie who really just love Terminator 1, for example. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they had this guy in it. They had the Captain <coughs> guy. Like, all this kind of stuff in it that's very much... Um, it pays tribute, no doubt about it. But I wonder how people feel. And there are moments in this one that I do enjoy. Like, I did love seeing... Uh, the tech comm units storming the camp of the beginning. Well, let's, I, I felt I, this was... Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, there ahead, is something I'm, I'm going to write, because I started to write this film's plot, and I got about a paragraph in, and I just wrote, fuck this film's plot, fuck it. <laughs> I, that's what I, I, I'm not going to explain it, because I thought, like you say, I was going to give an overview, and that's the problem with this film. Like You cannot, you, you yeah. cannot give it a concise explanation. Um... Because right. yeah. it's just, <laughs> there are... yeah, I, I think I put in my notes. It's Terminator One plus some random yeah. stuff. I think I put. You know, it's it, it it's kind of what it is because there's a lot of T One in here, and that's what I did appreciate about it. You know, there are some moments that lead lead you to a potential Terminator One situation where they storm mm. the the camp and they they uh, destroy the machines and they get to the time displacement field. That stuff was actually really cool and seeing John. Believe it or not, I enjoy the part where you have John and Kyle when they're prepping yes. the time machine, where they're having some banter, some light banter, and and you have a connection there that has been missing for a movie at the very least. I felt more in that little scene of John Connor as a character, and maybe this is due to you know uh, Jason Clark being a, a workman actor, but it's just I love seeing them interact and being like, okay, this is cool. We've never seen this before. We've never really seen them interact in this way, and that's a really great thing. Because we only either saw Kyle yeah. or John. No, I, I agree. That was it. And I have you to know, say, um, you get the opening monologue and um, the moment he says, uh, like, you know, 29th of, Oct- 29th of August, 1997, da, 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 and I was like, oh, okay, right. so they've eradicated Salvation and T3. Okay, I'm happy with that. And then mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, but the, but the reason that Judgment Day moved beyond um, 1997 was because of the events of T3. Two, so they're actually eradicating T two mm-hmm. as well. So this is actually only incorporating T one, but you need to have seen T one and T two <laughs> to understand this film. Yeah, so I was like, oh. that's a good I was like, point. Okay, Scott. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but because th- Miles Dyson is still alive in this one, yeah. you're right. You're right, uh, Scott. So yeah. they talk about Miles Dyson because Danny Dyson is actually his son is the one that creates Genesis. Um, so there's yeah. all that sort of stuff, and then. The interesting point is, yeah, you say, is that opening beyond that? But that first bit, the post-apocalyptic uh, future with John Connor and Kyle Reese, is the film I wanted in the first place. And mm-hmm. I quite like that first, was it about 20, 25 minutes or so? 
I really mm-hmm. do enjoy it. I think Jason Clark's very, very good. I think he's really he's a lot more charismatic and um than than <laughs> Christian Bale. Like I understand why people are following him. Um and it plays yeah. well. It look and, th- and and this movie this mo- real quick, this movie uh, has the same kind of concept as T four in a in a way, uh Scott, mm. right? So you have in T four John is the prophet. Yes. Right? He's almost like he's he's the prophet of doom, he knows what's gonna happen and when and it doesn't work in that film, I think. And this one, even though it's very brief, I I was really invested in that part of it because you have him, he's saying stuff before it comes up on the screen. They're like, where did the Terminator go? And he's like, Los Angeles in the year 1984. And they're like, holy crap. He like, And, and the fact they look at him in awe is like, this guy, he doesn't know the future, but he cheats. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says. Like he, he knows enough signposts from his mother that he can lead the team. And I do believe him as a leader in this one. I do. Before everything hits the fan, unlike Christian Bale in the last one, I kind of do see him as someone that rallies the troops. And they, these guys would die for him. I could see that. I don't see people dying for Christian Bale no. in the last one. I really well, don't. Well, the, the no. thing is, the, the, the John Connor we've seen in the previous film, so even like the Edward Furlong and the Nick Stahl one, they are all about saving humanity. Like They actually have a really humane... Um, you know compassionate side to them like the whole point of john connor in terminator 2 is teaching the terminator you don't have to terminate people you know and so right. in the in the same with nick stall in the third one is um it's all about like he is sacrificed at the end of that film just regardless of how crap some of the bit, the other bits are like that finale as we talked about is him putting everything on the line to mm-hmm. go and destroy what he believes is skynet and you know mm-hmm. he does all those right things right those actions of john connor and that's where I feel that those characters that would would become at least for the first half of this film that mm-hmm. Jason Clark, um, John mm-hmm. Connor, not the sort of you know um, basically sort of compassionless psychopath that is Christian Bale. <laughs> it just, it's a complete disconnect. Um, so no, I really enjoy the opening scene of this film. Now, I'm actually going to say there were a few. It was one of those films I was like I hated the. I honestly I hate this film overall. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. But um, there's there's a couple of things in this film that do that, you know you start to nitpick, don't you? So even in this opening scene, although I mm-hmm. really like it, there is two bits that really um, bother me, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. That I feel that, that it's going to sound weird, but I feel Salvation got right better than this film. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. they go to the when they go to the plant where they're going to blow up the time dev- device, <clears throat> they're they're on a truck. Right. And they're all hidden in the back of a truck. They're trying to be sort of like covert. Yeah. And that truck is being driven by yeah, a yeah. T-800. And I'm like, all oh, right, mm-hmm. they've got trucker T- T-800s. That seems a real waste of that <laughs> unit that's supposed to be a Terminator. This one's like, oh, no, no, he's not Terminator. That's Jeff, the trucker one. Like, it's... why We've almost <laughs> got, like, driverless cars now. Why... And it's like the yeah. only way the other Terminators realise that... Um, the the vehicle is is a covert unit because he's he's um, been deactivated. It's a, it's not a activated Terminator. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm really not sold on that. That this should be a driverless vehicle. You know, it's it's right. Yeah. I'm surprised. But not, not Jeff the yeah, T800. Like the, what, you know, the truck driver with a that's with what a I wanted. I was like, yeah, if he's going to be in there driving that, S- Skynet is my <laughs> co-pilot. <laughs> that's what I wanted. Sort of like you know, uh, it, it just really bothered yeah. me. I've never noticed before. And then just watched this and I was like, that's so stupid. That's ridiculous um yeah and then and then what there was this sort of um that was the main thing and then like i said the only other thing is um 
they've tried to sort yeah. of like Matt Smith is is a um, um, a secret role. Like you know, it was ne- it was never revealed who he was until the film came out. They really tried to keep it quiet. And then when you see him in this film, yeah. the first time you see him, like it sort of switches the way the, the camera angle just makes him look so ominous. And let's be honest, like if you've ever seen Doctor Who, you know who he is. But even if you didn't know who mm-hmm. he is, the camera's set up. He's just so obvious in the background that you're like, oh, yeah. that that guy's clearly going to do something because um, he looks iffy. Like <laughs> they're focusing a lot on him. Um, and right, I, right. I don't know. It, it, that's the only thing where it's a bit like. Okay, those two bits. But other than that, if I could turn this film off after 25 minutes, I'd be like, I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I tell you, if I could, if I could stop this film um, as Kyle enters the time displacement device before he actually starts, and then watch Terminator One, yes, it would be like yes. a pre-credit yep. sequence. I'd be like, all right, I'm, cool. I'm happy with that. That's cool. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I just, it just, it... I thought that too. Actually, I thought that too. Like, if they, if you, I mean, you know, similar to other movies where you know, certain movies that pick up right where the others leave off. You know, in general, like in certain films. But th- yeah, that would be interesting, right? If they kind of cut this together with someone, something like a mm. T one, you know, where it's like, boom, it just leads right into it, sort of thing, where, where the action scenes, you know. But um, yeah, that that's really interesting. Uh, so out of the two, right? Do you like? One over the other. Do you like Salvation better than Genesis? Uh, um, w- weirdly, I kind of like. Uh, I'd have to say I would watch if I'm going to. I would watch Salvation again. Oh, oh, over. If I mm. if the, if you put these two in front of me, I would watch Salvation over Genesis. Really? Um, wow. And then I would probably hate myself after, but <laughs> <laughs> for both, you know what I mean? It's sort of. That's interesting, yeah. Scott. That's um, really weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I, I might be opposite, mm. right? Because um, I liked Salvation somewhat when I first came out, and on repeat viewings, I like it less. You know, because I kind of get a little nitpicky, just like you said. You know, and Terminator Genesis, I give somewhat of a pass. So I'm slightly more charitable than than you in this, only because it's so much of a. I do feel like they are trying to to pay some fan service, and then. I give them at least a little bit of credit for trying to do something new mm. once you get past a certain point and making John Connor a villain. I mean, that's a very divisive thing because a lot of fans hated that and some fans liked it. And then I'm sort of in the middle where it's like, at that point, my brain is off. I've kind of yeah. given up <laughs> on the series in some ways. I, like, like I, I sort of like feel so bad. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to eat popcorn and enjoy the explosions. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would, I'm slightly more charitable towards this one than Salvation, but <clears throat> still it's, it's it's rough going from the early movies that were were excellent pieces of cinema to this kind of thing where it's devolved and you know we'll, we'll see what happens when once Dark Fate comes out you know which is very yeah. soon you know but I mean the thing is the question is what are your thoughts then on where it does try to recreate those T one moments so Arnie um, the de aged Arnie yeah. is actually really cool I think that looks great um, approaching the yes. three sort of hooligans and obviously um, Carl yes. Reese dropping into the alleyway so. What what do you think of those? <laughs> well, it's you know I've always loved the the T the T one opening, and uh, a couple years back I I traveled to Los Angeles for work, and that was the first thing that I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to the Griffith Park Observatory because I wanted to just basically walk where these characters had been, sort of thing, which is so silly, but um, you know it was obviously beautiful to go. But it, it, it's an iconic moment in in the in the series, mm. you know. But with that being said, it I'm torn, right, Scott, because 
I do realize that it's it's very much copying what had worked in the past. And I give them credit for n not just using the footage from the other movies, but tr but doing their best to recreate it shot for shot. And, you know, I understand that, but it's also, you know, it's nothing really new at that point. But then the other part of me, I was in the theater with a smile on my face. Like, that's, I couldn't help it. I was, like, enjoying some of the moments. My wife and I were whispering some of the lines, being like, okay, the, the homeless guy in the alley is coming next. You got, he's got to be there. And he said the exact lines from the movie. Uh, so I know a lot of fans get pissed mm. off about that because it's basically ripping off mm. a better film, a much better film. But I, I sort of like where they have the two Arnies fight each other at Griffith Park because that was, I think, one of the original potential ideas for Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I believe, mm. where you had two Arnies fighting each other in, in the same kind of way. Um, maybe one was slightly better than the other, and the good guy had to overcome the bad guy that way. So I thought that was kind of interesting seeing, finally... Two armies against each other. We've seen it in other medium, in other mediums. We see we've seen it in comics and games. But seeing the two Schwarzeneggers fight was kind of a, a cool moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, so so some of that stuff I, I give that a little bit of a pass because I was enjoying myself. Um, and then you have the dynamic between Pops, as they call yeah. them, the Guardian Terminator Pops, with Sarah, where she's kind of like a petulant child at times, where she's you know he's scolding her in her language and she's like giving him back talk. So, I mean, that got some laughs out of my, out of the theater I was in, you know, like, that language is the inappropriate young lady. Like, it's, we talked about a boy in his Terminator. This is like a Terminator mm. dad, basically, you know, <laughs> where, he, where he's just, uh, you know, making sure you do your homework and <laughs> take your vitamins and stuff. It's weird, man. It's it's weird. It, it is. Know? I think that's. What, I mean, I agree. I think some of the when they do the the recreations, the T one stuff, it's quite cool. It is. It's well done. Like they've really paid attention to it, and I think mm -hmm. it looks good. Um, I do enjoy. I've actually put like the Arnie on Arnie fight is quite cool, um, mm -hmm. and it's sort of uh, it's one of those again. And I think it's, when you watch this with a critical eye again, you sort of you know you notice things. The whole fight is actually quite cool, and it's it's there for a reason. Just it's just that thing, is it fan service of like, oh, we've always wanted to see a Terminator versus a Terminator kind of thing, and you get to see mm -hmm. that. And uh, but then the Terminator, the T one hundred Terminator from the the what the, mm -hmm. the young Arnie uh, that that's sent back mm -hmm. is she get uh, Sarah Connor shoots him through the chest with some sort of sniper rifle from a building, just sort of you know a little bit further off. Yeah. And all I could think of was like, well, you knew where he was going to appear. Uh, you know, and you've just wasted like you. Almost, in fact, you've just put three young bo like guys' life at risk because you weren't ready. Like you could have killed him. He's walked butt ass naked to the side of a balcony. Like you could have taken him at any point. I don't know why this fight's even happening. What's going on? And that from that moment, I was like, oh, they don't care. That's the point of this. Like they're not here for that. They're here for fan service. And then, like you say, it goes back to. Wow. Um, yeah the Kyle Reese and he goes into the shop and it, that's all fine. And I, again, I quite like that. And then the, the yeah. that again, this segment, there are parts of this film. I'm like, Oh, it's quite good fun. The act, the action actually in this film is fine. Like I'm quite, there are moments in this yeah. film. I can like you say, I can switch off and I'm like, it's like a fast and the furious film. I can happily just watch it and enjoy the action. Right. Um, right, right. But when the T 1000 appears now in the T 1000, so when the T 1000, like in the second film, um, yeah, you know, it takes uh, Arnie's T eight hundred model to say, oh, he was a he's a he's a prototype. The T one thousand was an advanced prototype, mm -hmm. um, and you go, okay, so yeah. you need to have seen T two to understand what the vehicle is, what the what the machine is. But when John, when Kyle right. Reese sees it, instead of going like, what the fuck is that? He's like, 
it's how another Terminator. It? And you're like, how do you know? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just like, again, they've not followed the story beats. Like, no, 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 he doesn't know the T-1000 exists. Right. Oh, he does now. But, and then, right. you know, they get the action. And I think it looks fine and all this other stuff. And, and um, again, they get the car chase and you get the introduction of Pops. And again, like, they get um, the deleted scene that was Smile from T2. Um, you know, they try to re-sort of introduce that twice in this film. The fact that the Terminator can't smile. Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah, it feels at odds, you know. Um, and one of the things that we talked about on the previous episode was time travel and the effects of time travel. And mm-hmm. um, so when you do get this, that you know, and, and Sarah Connor... Oh, Sarah Connor then has to have the come with me if you want to live line. And then again, I'm like, oh, jeez. Right. It's just like, you know... Right. Which, did right. Pops tell her that? Pops are like, you know, this is what he says to you. And like, oh, okay, well, I'll say it to him. <laughs> you know, it's it's it feels forced. <laughs> um, and so you, all that, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, okay, I'm still getting it. And then when she sort of says... And she explains why she's with Pops, you know, in 1970 something or other. Yep. Uh, a T-1000 yeah. attacked their house, um, and Arnie yeah. saved her and has been looking after her ever since. Um, and I'm like, okay, that actually, that as a premise is interesting. All right, so there's, you know, that's mm-hmm. time travel that like, you can do this, and obviously the timelines are all sort of all over the place now. Um, and then, like, but when they ask him who sent you back, and this is in the di- the dialogue, even sort of like doesn't give a shit, and it says to him like, so who sent you back? He's like, those files are classified. He says, well, that's convenient, and I'm thinking the same thing. That's convenient. <laughs> all right, well, clearly we're not supposed. To- I yeah, think we all c- said that. Yeah, clearly theater, not yeah. supposed to worry about that. <laughs> you know, we'll roll over that. Um, and th- and then yeah, and it just it, that was the point that that moment when they're in the van and they're sort of driving away and it's all gone to to that thing of like the smiles and they said the jokes yeah. and don't worry this right. will be explained in a future film i'm thinking even then i was thinking no it won't <laughs> no yeah. it won't yeah um <laughs> they kind of pull a little bit of uh awesome powers the spy who shagged me or like that or whatever the second one was you know so because they have mm. i think that was the one where, where they say Austin's asking uh, Basil, and he says, well, what's, you know, this doesn't make any yeah. sense, you know? He says, don't worry about it. And he, winked, he said, that goes for yeah. you too, viewer. And they kind of wink to the audience because whenever you have time travel stuff, it is totally screwy. It, I mean, it is. And it's hard to do a very great uh, time travel movie in, in today's uh, Hollywood mm. culture, you know what I mean? And, and that's why I think a lot of this doesn't work. That part with her as a little girl, I hated in this movie because even though it was an interesting premise... There's so little um, setup yeah. for it because we don't know anything. Okay, so who, so we don't know who sent nope. that T800. Um, we don't know who sent that T1000. Is it the, is that the same T1000 that shows up later on? I've always I've always assumed that because you know it's like okay, so what you've been chased down by this T1000 for like ten years. That sounds really inefficient. <laughs> Yeah, big time. That's really stupid, I think. So I think that is ridiculous. And it's too bad because the T-1000 in this movie, mm. I love. I actually love him more more than the way it's portrayed by the actor is mm. awesome because he's so machine-like. He's so When he gets shot, when he falls onto his knees, he really appears like he's some sort of machine that's that's very not human Yes, at all. no, I you agree. I mean? He's so really The way good. he's reloading his gun, he's dropping his gun. It's fantastic. So, you know, it would have been too much of the same, but I would love to see more of him in the movie. But but 
why was he in the movie? Just to kind of like fill some time well, to to fan service, tip the I'll hat. Just, that's one of my know. notes. Is what is the mission of the T one thousand in 1984? Is he just hanging out? I just don't. You know, it's I don't understand what he's there for. Although, like you say, when he when they attack them because they they finally get back to like a warehouse and that's where they've been uh, a base for god knows how long. But when the T one thousand attacks right. and he actually instead of just using his hands or whatever, like you know, knives and stabbing weapons, he actually sort of like. Um, turns his, his arm into a spear, chops it off, and then uses it as a javelin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's a brilliant idea!" Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "Okay, that's really cool." So they're actually they they do use the T one thousand in an interesting way in this film. So I'll give them that. That that is something yeah. that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. but but you know Sarah's character in this one. This is one of the times, one of the few times I don't like Sarah mm-hmm. Connor. You know, because uh, I'm not a fan of her character in this movie. I think Amelia Clark was miscast, unfortunately. You know that that's just my opinion on it. I don't think she really can get into that Linda Hamilton headspace, which is really hard because Linda Hamilton brought something very special to that role. Uh, we obviously know, but it's to me. This sounds funny, Scott. It feels unearned for her to be this badass character at twenty years old when, at that time in the original storyline, she was just a normal kid. Mm. She was a normal girl going through college and this and that, and then she had to have bad things happen to her and she survived the first movie and then she's the mother of the future. Then she's a hardened warrior who is almost kind of cold and calculating. But instead now we have Amelia Clark, who kind of reminds me more of a young Sarah Connor. Obviously, you know, she's, you know, not as battle hardened, but she's a know-it-all. She's kind of a brat. And up until the end of the movie where she kind of softens a little bit, maybe that's the payoff, but I'm just annoyed, and my wife's sitting there going, oh my god, well, she just shut up, you know, kind of thing. So, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, it's like, I can't root for this character, because she knows everything that Kyle's telling her. She's like, yeah, I know. Okay, shut up already. We know this. She, she does. Like, she Ugh. comes across like a bratty valley girl. That's, you know, I, mm-hmm. I totally agree. Cause, and, but there's, there, there's almost, you know, you said before about, you know, there's the writing, the, the directing, and then the editing, and sort of, as a film... I yeah, always feel right, like with right. this character, there's something similar. Like in the dialogue, I can see where mm-hmm. they kind of go with the character. Like she hasn't had a childhood from the age of nine onwards. Like she's been raised by a Terminator with with certain knowledge, yeah. and that will mess you up in a, to a degree. And part and part of that Big is time. a bit yeah. of what we discussed in the, for the first film is all she's been told is, oh yeah, you've got to have you know, you've got to sleep with Carl Reese when he turns up to create John Connor. Like that's your purpose. Mm-hmm. And she's a bit like, no, right. no, 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 I've, I. Mm-hmm. I've, so the fact they give her more agency to be more proactive, to be like the T two Sarah Connor, I'm like, okay, I get why you've done that. Mm-hmm. This is twenty first century, makes sense. Right. Yeah. But then to put it on like a nineteen twenty year old where she is like, I don't love you, I'm not gonna sleep with you, I don't do this and she's like, Oh, like you say, shut up. Like, you're right, you 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 know the future. This guy's for John for um yeah, Carl Reese, she's like, I know the future and I'm like, Kyle's lived it. Listen to what he's got to say. You know what I mean? He might actually be helpful. Um, and so, it, it, again, you have a similar problem to Salvation where, you know, you're supposed to be following these characters and they're sort of um, this sort of relationship that's building. Right. Unfortunately, the most, char- the most charismatic person in this trio is Arnie playing the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not good. Now, Scott, what do you think of John Connor going heel, being the villain in this one? Because that really pissed off a lot of fans. What do you think? Um, 
it's it's one of those things that again I can see why they've done it. Um, but the problem is it it, it there's two. There's, I'm trying to explain. It never feels earned. A bit like you said with Sarah Connor, it doesn't feel earned. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, we've only had right. one film. It was a failed film of seeing of seeing John mm-hmm. Connor as as the hero. Uh, as a, you know, right. that true sort of like post-judgment day hero, that's uh, that sort of leader of the resistance, the leader of sort of the savior of humanity. You've only, you haven't really seen that, right? So to then take that away, I'm a bit like, could we not have had Jason Clark? Like twenty minutes isn't enough. You know, I want, I wanted more. I wanted Jason <laughs> Clark as as that John Connor for for longer. Um, right, but but now but now he's the T one million one trillion or something. It's like it's like well, <laughs> now he's the super ultimate bad guy. You took. They flipped the franchise on its yeah. head, which some fans probably loved because it, it, it was different. But you basically took the lead hero of the series and you made him the ultimate bad guy, which I guess is an interesting thing to try. But it, And that's something they spoiled in the trailer oh, that, as well. That, I couldn't believe it. Oh that, my God. that was one of the things. When they spoiled that, yeah. And this, that, was, that blew my mind that... As you say, not only are you going to spoil it, but like it's no, no, sorry, not only are you going to do it in the film, you're going to spoil it in the marketing. Like opening trailer, I don't, oh, did not learn a lesson on that one. Um, I don't know. It's it's funny because <coughs> it's one of those things where they try to explain. There are several moments in this film where they try to sort of not so much explain things, but baffle you enough to go. Well, they're trying to explain what the fuck is going on. So at one point, um, Kyle Reese explicitly says to he says, um, "I've got memories of growing up in, you know, the post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. world of living in 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 a you know uh, burnt-out cars and blah blah blah. But I've also got memories of this house yeah. and growing up with a family and all this other stuff." And he's like, "Why have I got these two memories? Like you've seen that this this dual timeline is sort of created when he's gone back in time. Right. And then they have, uh, yeah, it's like a paradox. Yeah. yeah. So." Yeah. They have Arnie in his sort of still relatively thick Austrian accent explain why that could be with some science. And he might as well just mm-hmm. go, you know, um, it's very clear, Kyle, science bullshit. And you go, oh, right, fair enough, I'm accepting that. Because that's what it is. Like, and you go, fair enough, yeah. roll on. And then and then they roll get, um, they have um, uh, John Connor do the same later on. When it's revealed that he is actually a machine... <laughs> Um, right, and he's now been sent back through time, um, completely now because he's made mm-hmm. up of nanobots. They sort of like they, mm-hmm. they sort of, and they sort of did it with T two as well. But this whole thing of like, oh no, uh, living it has to be surrounded by living tissue to go through time. That's the way the time machine works. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone seems to have forgotten that, right. apart from when they need it. So because it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 incredibly important to this film, but he's not covered in living flesh. He's covered in nanobots. Um, mm-hmm. But then he actually says, like you know, she, she, uh, Sarah Connor says to him, like says John, she, he pulls up a gun and he's threatened to shoot her. And says she can't shoot me. I'm your mother. If you kill me, you won't exist. And he says that's mm. not true. We're exiles in time. We, you know, the laws of sort of causality mm-hmm. basically don't don't apply to us. And again, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh shit! You just this is so mm-hmm. lazy. You, you know, you right. clearly wanted this result. Like this was so they're in a writer's room. These two people writing this are sat in a room and going, "Ooh, ooh, ooh John Connor's the baddie," and they've gone, "That's brilliant. That's it. That's the mm-hmm. that's that's the payoff. That's what we're going. How do we make it happen?" Yep. And they've worked backwards from it again. And you're just like, <laughs> "Haven't they?" <laughs> um, so yeah, I think again, um, 
I like the design. I, I actually really like the design. So when he's a sort of, you know, he's become like a robot thing and they've got the nanobot stuff, I quite like it. I think they use yep, the technology yep. quite well. A bit like they <coughs> did with um, Robert Patrick as the T-1000 in T2 and stuff. They've got some good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, yeah, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, do you think do you, do you think it's weird that... Well, I mean, I, I don't know. The whole... Uh, the reason why I was so upset at the end of salvation, right? Because I was thinking that's what they were going towards where they were going to have him, John Connor be replaced his hero status. And he was going to be done because I kind of had just gotten used to the idea that the Connor family is this key point in, in the human salvation, mm. basically without using the word is that Connor has been the big hero. So seeing the, the fourth movie and seeing like how he's kind of a jerk throughout the whole thing and he's not likable and he's young barking orders at everybody you know, it's not earned that he's a good guy at the end where people trust him. Despite the fact, I do enjoy in the fourth one, going back, when he's doing his radio mm. broadcasts. And, and, and he's getting people, he's giving them hope when they're hopeless. And I, I think that's a cool part of the fourth one. And apparently, I think that's one of the things that interested Christian Bale in signing on to the project. Because they had him almost do some of his scenes, almost like as a like a one-act mm. play sort of thing. They had him like set up with a script and he's like... He's given them hope from afar and stuff. And I think he got kind of interested in, in that scenario. Because he had just, I think, come off right off of Batman, uh, the second one. you know. So I think he was kind of done with franchises for a little bit, but they got him back into it. Anyway, so with this one, it's part of me really hates evil John Connor. Yeah. you know, um, But the part of me also likes that it, they tried something different. And it's a very weird ending, Scott, because the end of this movie does something that they've never done before. You have all three of the primary um, uh, protagonists mm. uh, alive and well at the end of the movie. Uh, and they're driving off, and they're going to be basically a quote-unquote nuclear family. You know what I mean? That's what I've been calling them. Because you have this... It's not just a boy and his Terminator, or a little girl with her dad Terminator, but now you basically have like a boyfriend-girlfriend and and the dad, basically, on a road trip. It's yeah. weird. It's interesting. Like Part of me really liked that also. I'm like, okay, well... Now I want to see where this goes because Skynet's not gone at the end. You know, uh, Matt Smith is his being is alive at the at the teaser at the end of the movie. You know, so there's more work to do, of course. Um, and I like the cold the time split because whenever they do that in in literature or cinema, I do like that kind of when you go back, you almost like split off the timeline and go, oh shoot, like I remember two different things, and it makes them go crazy because it's like they they can't rationalize mm. it in their head. You know, so there's a lot that does not work a couple things work with this but i think the big failing of these two movies is it's missing and no pun intended with with four Mm. it's missing heart really because it's they have some moments that they probably think the fans will appreciate but it's almost like they're just to get the box office numbers it's not there to tell a story that's going to be a long-term story that we're going to still talk about years from now i think last episode scott you mentioned about t2 and t1 we're still talking about the media aesthetics of that film and how like it was well shot, well edited, and going back to these recent ones, they might have made some money at the box office, but I don't think we'll be talking about it in years from now. And the real question that uh, is in my head, and I wanted to ask you, is can there be a successful Terminator movie without Arnie's direct involvement? Because we know that it's probably coming to an end very soon. He's not going to be involved in the long term. So what do you think about that? Can there be a successful... Terminator film without Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I th- it's interesting. It's funny because I was thinking about this about other franchises as well. So as you said, we did sort of we've done other retrospectives, <clears throat> and right, 
it, it's funny when you look at these things and you sort of they center them around a character like the marketing for the first three films is is, is arnie centric like you know the posters the advertising everything's right. about arnie is the terminator and the mm-hmm. problem they have is that hollywood problem of having to top each you know each one has to be topped so in the first one arnie is the killing machine like, he is the indestructible he's a truck he's a tank like you know like he will not stop he, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um and then the second one, like, you know, they switch it around. Okay, well, he's now the tank, but there's now this sort of, like, sleek stealth fighter that's coming after them that's going to nuke them. So you go, okay, so that's right. fine. And then they sort of, like, so you've flipped it there, and you go, okay, well, that works really well. So what's the next thing? Oh, okay, well, the team, we've already done the T-1000, yeah. so we can't repeat ourselves. And we, we still want Arnie to be involved. Right. So we can't make Arnie the T-1000, what we could have done. But no, no, we like him to be that sort of, like, T-800 style. So, okay, we'll do that. So now you get the TX. Yeah, and it's sort of that thing of having to top yourself, but the problem as well is um, within within just in the world, like our understanding of technology has evolved. You know, liquid liquid metal. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they've ever. You know, to me, the liquid metal is still way more impressive than the nanobot stuff because mm-hmm. it seems more mm-hmm. advanced to me. I'm still like, no, liquid metal mm-hmm. sounds badass. So that's really cool. But they keep going back to these things of of bleeding edge technology. Um, and the, right, the, Ar- right. Arnie is, I would say, is the albatross around this franchise's neck. They can't break away from him because he's the yeah. lovable, yeah. for one of the better phrase, the lovable character that everyone associates with it. And they've built that in. He's iconic. Yeah. He's iconic. People who've never seen his movies know these movies yeah. because of him. It's but true. then I sort of think, could, so I said, could you step away from that? And I think you could, but you need to. And this is where I think. It's funny. I saw someone say this the other day uh, in a tweet. I think it was it was they were referencing an article. I think, but they actually said, for Dark Fate, the true icon that we've been missing in this in the Terminator franchise isn't Arnie. It's Sarah, it's Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor. Yeah. And a part of me was mm-hmm. like, do you know what? I think they're right. I think we hung mm-hmm. our hat on the wrong thing. Um, and that's no disrespect mm-hmm. to Arnie because I think he's great in all these. But he right. becomes the albatross in this because you, he is the Terminator. But at this point, even in in this film mm-hmm. in Genesis, they try and sort of like address mm-hmm. it, like you know, I'm old but not obsolete. <clears throat> and you're sort mm-hmm. of like, well, actually, the, the the latest two generations of Terminator sort of say that you are. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, it, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I think they could, but they need to give, they need to have something else iconic to. Um, mm-hmm. to hang their hat on and that, the thing is when you look at these iconic mm-hmm. things and the reason I looked at it is when we looked at Predator as well I was sort of like the Predator franchise and the Alien franchise like could mm-hmm. you have an Alien sh- yeah. should you have an Alien film without Ripley well yeah you can because the comics mm-hmm. have all done it and the same with the Terminator things like the comics have done it and they've done sometimes really well you just mm-hmm. need to sort of you, you just need to have confidence that you're going to tell a good story and create that iconic, iconic character um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's tough, man, because I think you have all these franchises that are um, kind of older franchises that can't seem to break away from exactly what you just said. You have all these iconic characters, maybe one or two characters that people have latched onto. Uh, just going down the franchises, just think about it. You know, you have Rambo, mm-hmm. you have Rocky, you have Die Hard. You just said it a little while ago. You have Aliens. You have all these movies that are afraid to break away too much because, and that's not to say you can't have some intellectual moments 
that are uh, rewarding for the viewer, you know, as a concept. I mean, because there were some Sarah Connor um, Chronicles mm. episodes that had a couple cool moments in there, even though a lot of the show didn't work for many fans, is that there were some moments that was interesting, uh, how they approached it. But it at the end of the day, it only lasted like two seasons, and I think the second season was short anyway, or, or the first season was short. And it's almost like people need kind of a, a, a reliable almost like a warm blanket. Like, you need a character that you're used to to come back to, to that franchise. I mean, think of Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. They brought back Harrison Ford. I love the fact that he was in it, you know, uh, and I'm a big Blade Runner fan, but he was in the last yeah. third of the film, and he's important in it, but he's in the very last third of the film. You could almost have had him out of the marketing, and it would have blew my mind even further. I, I would have been so happy in that film if he wasn't, uh, on the posters, but the fact of the matter is, with marketing and the way Hollywood is as a machine, you got to put these people front and center. You got to put them well, all over the posters. You know, Star Wars is another one. You have Harrison Ford. You have, um, you know, Mark Hamill. All these characters they shoved right in the poster because, guys, it's it's the same yeah. but new. But I think the thing you know? is, one of the things I think this this fran- this franchise in particular is interesting because it's it's li- it's limited by its own only by its imagination, and and I think one mm-hmm. of the things that's more the thing the thing is they fo- again they fo- I think they focus on the wrong thing. They keep going, look how right. cool the robot is. Do you know what I mean? Like look how cool the new robot is, T1000, mm-hmm. the TX, yep. the right. you know, John Connor, the new one's called mm-hmm. a Rev9, which is the worst fucking name. But right. for me all I could think of is like <laughs> the T800 in the original film and then the one that was in T2, mm-hmm. right? That was the model 101. So Arnie was the 101. That was almost like your prototype. It's like, we've done this, we've made a couple, and they all look like Arnie. You know, you've got a room full of meatheads. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. What's the 102 look like? Mm -hmm. What's the 103 look like? Right. And, you know, if it's going to be a tank, right, do you know what? Instead of sending Arnie back or having, and you want a younger version, get get John Mm -hmm. Cena, get The Rock, get, I don't know, get some other bodybuilder who's massive. To, to do it mm-hmm. here's the T800 model 104 and it looks like John right. Cena I, do you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. you could still have that because I, I think really they the thing is they, they got to a point where they were like okay the technology's got to be too so advanced and I'm like no no the mm-hmm. idea of a robot being encased in right. human living flesh is really cool mm-hmm. stick mm-hmm. with that like you know <clears throat> I like you, like you right. said. I I would still like to see two T eight hundreds battle each other properly. I still want to see that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. They don't both have to look like right. Arnie. I just want to see two tank tank like robots killing each other. Mm-hmm. And they just I don't know. Um, it just feels like they've missed a trick with this a little bit, or they've gone the wrong way. Yeah, they had to up everything. And right. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I agree with a lot of that, Scott, you know, and, and it's, um, you, you know, I, I think part of what we're saying was that there's the humanistic side is kind of out mm-hmm. of the films now. Yeah. And uh, that's a concern with the new one as well, because, I mean, Cameron has come out a few times and said that he has liked the respective sequels. Uh, even I found a quote where he says that about mm-hmm. T3 as well, where they, they were sure he was going to crap all over it, but he says, in a word, he thought it was great. He says it wasn't exactly what he would have wanted to do, but he likes that what they did. But, now, granted, that's probably just lip service. Maybe they might have paid him for that. Who the hell knows? But most of the times, he comes out and says that, oh, I like this is the true continuation of my series. 
and he says it every time. Do you kind know? Of thing. Do you know? And so, I, was, I, I, yeah. I found something out about this, and it was. I, I, it's a rumor, mm-hmm. but it's it's it, apparently it's quite a well sourced rumor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Terminator is made by Twentieth um, Century Fox. Uh, yeah. There's been a few <clears throat> movie studios involved. MGM was yeah. one of them. Uh, Kralko, and now I think it's. Um, I think it was the first one might have been. You know, yeah, yeah, possibly. I think you might be um, right with that. I think yeah. so. There's, there's a few so. involved, but basically, one of the investors—I don't know if it was a studio—but one of the investors of um, mm-hmm. Salvation, because he came out and said some stuff about Salvation right. as well, and this uh, Genesis was also one of the big investors mm-hmm. for Avatar. So mm-hmm. the, apparently, there was this rumor going around that basically this big investor said, "If you still want to get money about for, for your very, very expensive Avatar sequels." Um, then you need to sort of like just pop your head out of your you know office and just say how great these Terminator films are. That, thank, thank you very much, James. Uh, out of your submarine, <clears throat> out of your expensive submarine, yeah. So that's that's the that's what I'd heard. Yep. Is there was a rumor that I don't know if it was the studio or an investor, right. but someone who was heavily invested in both Avatar and the Terminator film said, if you want that, you gotta say this. And so he basically would be wheeled out and be like, this film's a complete continuation of my ideas. It's wonderful. Right. And then, right. It's so it's so weird, Scott, because and I've heard something like that too. Uh, that's why when we were talking about T four a little earlier in the episode, um, we we're talking about how the machinations of the Hollywood studios work and how it's like it's almost like you scratch my back, yeah. I scratch yours, and how movie rights get moved over, and it's like things are done sometimes in backroom deals, and it's like really crazy where you can secure rights for some things mm-hmm. but not others. And there was um a, like an animated like spinoff of Salvation. That came out on yes. DVD a while back. It was called the Mach- the Machinima mm. series, and basically it takes place like a year before Salvation or whatever. And one of the main characters in that was they had it modeled after one of those investors, right. so maybe Victor Kubisak <laughs> or one of the other guys. And they and there was no other reason <clears throat> to get him into that other than maybe he had some pull in the studios where he's like, well, yeah, you can make it, but if I'm investing in this thing, put me as the hero in, the, in, the, yeah. in your cartoon. It's crazy. The Hollywood system is totally nuts, but yeah, it's I. Dude, I totally believe what you said, yeah. 100%. Yep. So, overall, I mean, we get to the end, and there's a big showdown at the new... Because Genesis, that's the other thing as well. So we find out that the reason this film's called Genesis is because Google have made an app. Sorry, not Google. Somebody else, whoever it is. Basically, it's Google. <laughs> I've made an app that's an operating system. It's Apple, basically, isn't it? I've, uh, I've made an app yeah. that's going to connect everything. And again, like when this film came out in 2015, I was like, don't we already have that? Like... And now, now it talks to you. Now I've got Alexa or Siri or whoever else, and I'm like, yep. "Oh right, yeah. Yep. No, you're not that cutting edge." <clears throat> um, and so they, they've turned Skynet into an app. And part of me was like, "Okay, you've changed the timelines. I sort of get that. That actually, I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. You know, an, an AI growing mm-hmm. on the internet and stuff. Um, sounds quite cool. Right. Um, the problem I get is though that." They, they have this thing of it developing almost as, a, as, as the moment it's turned on, it, it becomes a consciousness. It develops from a small mm-hmm. child to the Matt Smith hologram um, in minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, to, to, as, a, as a way of presenting its, in, its growth as it, of intelligence, that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, but why hasn't it launched the nuclear weapons yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. That final, like this, this is taking some time, and 
Skynet's not done anything yet, and it's 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 supposed to be developing and doing all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, I, I, I'm again, roll on, not going to worry about it. Um, <laughs> and and you know, there's this one other thing I want to point out is there's a moment that, that when Skynet is trying to talk them, basically talk them down. He's like, you know, there's nothing you can do. You can't stop me. You can't find me. I'm I'm everywhere. Da 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 da. Right. And he keeps projecting himself, and they just keep waiting am- ammunition on shooting out the projectors. Which are in weird yep. places to begin with, but all I can think of is like you're being chased by the police and this other Terminator, John Connor. Like, don't waste your, just ignore it. Like, <laughs> it, it just seems like such a waste of time. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot that that just makes you very confused. Uh, it just it doesn't make a ton of sense. Where you just have to kind of go, okay, yeah, whatever, and you just kind of go with it. But it's that doesn't make it a a great movie experience because you keep on second guessing not just the storyline but the characters motivations and you start when you start thinking the main characters are idiots you start going you know what i'm done you know what i mean and it's and you can't really root for them if you can't kind of empathize in that way but yeah i mean it's like there's a lot of stuff that happens where i'm like what is going on here you know what i mean and and there's like there's some like laughs at the end of the movie they have like a couple jokes here and there it's like it's it's very and then you have arnie having a a liquid metal component to his body Ugh, at the end. Yeah. So it's stuff that doesn't make a ton of Again, sense, really. You just have to either you either hate it or you just I, go. Oh yeah, and I hate that for two reasons. There's there's um there's a part of that where you sort of go. Again, they've gone. This is a good idea. You know, let's make him a liquid metal Terminator. Let's make him a T1000 or a T whatever uh-huh. he's going to be. Um, and then they work backwards, and you sort of, so you have the ending where. Um, Arnie utilizes the time displacement equipment uh, against the John Connor Terminator. So the time displacement field uh, starts, and it can't, you know, you can't travel in it unless you're surrounded by living tissue. Arnie's got bits blown off, so mm-hmm. his, his metal is on display. Uh, the John Connor robots um, f- stuck in its in its robotic form, so that's sort of good. It it blows up, <clears throat> and Arnie mm-hmm. is blown into. You see him blown into a pool, and you see his sort of face drop, and you thought, you know, sort of sink in. And you sort of think, oh, okay, that's supposed mm-hmm. to emulate T two, you know, that sort of thinking. In oh, that's the same. They've got rid of Arnie, and then and then right. he does. He comes back as a as a liquid Terminator, uh, whether it be nanobots mm-hmm. or. And all I can think of is, why is there just a pool of that stuff hanging around near a time machine? <laughs> like that's that's health and safety. Like at least tells me that can't be safe. Like that can't be good. Why is that not? Yeah, there's no railings nope. around. There's no there's no warning signs. People just walk right into it and become a liquid yeah, monster. It's just, you know, just, it's just, just liquid metal on the floor. You know, and I'm like, shouldn't that be in the lab on its own? Like, surely that's that's a, the protocol should be that you've got this like cutting edge technology. Someone should be like guarding that. Otherwise, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's almost like. Can I make you laugh real quick? I, I, I'm surprised they didn't have T800 uh, early models hanging oh. like by like hangers all along the side. I was ex- you know, just to just squish all those. <coughs> I together. was expecting it. I was expecting at least sort of like them to go in and see like a design for one. You know, like a a blueprint. <laughs> yeah, it just this, the ending. It's almost like they've gone either when you know, when they're writing it, they've gone. They've accepted that. That's crazy. Let's see what else we can do. And they're just sort of like adding more and more like bullshit in. Oh, it just infuriates me. Um. Yeah. So yeah, fuck this film. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, so, what are yeah. your final thoughts on Genesis? Um, 
I, I see, like I said, I'm slightly more charitable. You know, like I would choose this over salvation. Uh, at least I, I, during the movie, I was enjoying myself to an extent. And I can't say that for, for T4. That's just, that's me as a movie goer. Some fans are dead set against T5 and they would take T4 in a second. They said it's, it's downbeat T4, it's dark, it's uh, Moby, mm. you know, and it's, it's more in line of a post-apocalyptic future. And this is its own little, like, action adventure and changing time and but there's like i said there's no meaning behind it it's just a lot of stupidity you know um i, I like arnie in this one i actually like jai courtney in this one as well uh for some stupid reason you know i, I like i sort of liked him being the fish mm. out of water again being like okay what's going on here like it's okay this is how things were supposed to be how come you know all of this crap and he's just trying to catch up, you know. So I didn't mind him in this one. I know a lot of fans hate him as an actor through and through. My wife likes to tease the fact that, you know, he's so jacked when he's in yeah. a post-apocalyptic future. There's no protein <laughs> shakes. There's no gyms running around. So she's like, how does this guy get so muscular? What the hell? You know, at least if you go back to part one, they're all scrappy. Yeah. They're all like scrappy, emaciated fighters. You really, when you see Michael Bean at the start of T1, you really believe this guy's been yes. through hell. You know what I mean? And they're barely getting by with... A two-day-old coyote, for example. You know what I mean? So it, they're not eating a ton, and they're not going to the gym that's, five hours a that's day. The, you know what I'm saying? One so, of the things we, yeah. we, when we talked about T1, uh, one of the things we talked about was the fact mm -hmm. that um, Michael Bean is like the unsung hero of that film. Like He doesn't get talked about. But he looks, he's like, you know, you say right. he's skinny, He's he looks haunted. Um, the bit where you see him in the mirror yeah. in Technoir, like he looks dangerous. You know that sort of thing. His eyes, man. It's a, it, if you look in his eyes, you know. Yeah, he's like, that guy's crap, damaged. You know? Like you know, it, <clears throat> she it's Sarah Connor that brings out the humanity in him, and it's that in that relationship right. in T one is amazing. That's why one of the things I love about that film. In this one, he turns mm -hmm. up, and like you're thinking, like, oh no, you're as big as Arnie was in the first film. Like you look, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's just that 21st century aesthetic, isn't it? It's the superhero aesthetic. Like you've got to be ripped. Um, and mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah, so I, I agree with that. I, mean, I agree with your wife on that one. I think it, it looks ridiculous. Um, I think Chai Courtney is an inch or two taller than Arnie as well in real life. So a couple of those scenes, I think they, they had to do a little bit of trickery or give Arnie maybe bigger boots because Arnie is a little shorter than we sometimes realize. And so it's just one of those things where it's like you have uh, you got to like move the camera a little bit and make people look taller or shorter, you know. So it's just it just it looks <laughs> like when you see the mugshots. Remember you mentioned the oh. mugshots earlier where you have Arnie yeah. smiling at the camera awkwardly. They're getting the mugshots of the police station, and behind Arnold's head is like a height uh, meter where it says like six yeah. four six five, and that's not that's not <laughs> remotely true, you know. But they had to make him like a much yeah. taller guy, you know what I'm I, saying? I, but I, I don't know, man. It's, no, I, was, I do remember that. Yeah. That made me chuckle when I saw that in the film but, uh... I mean yeah I mean it, it there's there's a lot that doesn't work with this the fact that I at least came out somewhat enjoying myself but it, I mean I didn't enjoy it the same way I enjoyed mm. the first couple you know where it's like the first couple have a, a real heart and soul it's about the people it's not about the robots and about how many freaking machines you can put in there sometimes these movies really do just seem like they're we all say the movie business mm. is a business it is you know to, to make more and to keep the story going but like okay let's go back to t4 for a quick second you have kyle reese every time he spots a new machine which we talked about how that was cool that they have newer machines to to view he's calling it by yeah. name it's almost like he's announcing it so that you can buy the toys yeah. you know what i mean pulls out, he pulls out, yeah, so he oh pulls it's a the, the skynet catalog well if we look at page four actually yeah. we've got right 
that's a Moto yeah. Terminator. It's like, what? It's like, <laughs> like that's a little silly. So, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, there are fans of these movies, uh, four and five, there are fans of these movies, but it just, it's, there's something missing and you can't really, some people can't put their finger on it, but I really think it's just missing that human side of the story. And they try it occasionally here and there. With T4, you have uh, Christian Bale listening to his mother's mm. audio cassette tapes. That was a great moment. And in the director's cut, there's mm. more of that. And and that was a great moment, uh, hearing some of that, even though we knew all that stuff was going to happen anyway. But there's just there's something missing. It's kind of empty, really. And these last couple were empty. I'm hoping uh, things will change with the next one, but I'm apprehensive with the next one, too, to be honest so, with you. So let's but. get to that quickly before we sort of wrap up. So we've, we've had... Uh, the 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 marketing machine is well underway for Terminator Dark Fate. It comes out in a couple of weeks, and uh, the trailers have right. been out. I've seen you know those short clips, the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Linda Hamilton. Every time I go to the cinema recently, is like this is a film you're gonna you don't want to miss on the big screen, and you're just sort of like okay, well we'll see. <laughs> um, but it's been directed by Tim Miller. You know he he did uh, Deadpool. Mm-hmm. He's done some other stuff. Uh, right. It has James Cameron is directly involved in it now as a producer. He's apparently been on set a few times mm-hmm. and stuff. So <clears throat> you've got Linda Hamilton back. Um, you know they're going mm-hmm. a different way. So, but what from what you've seen, what are your let's let's just do some wild speculation. What's your speculation and uh, and thoughts so far? I mean, this is a film that I've I've tried really hard to avoid every trailer and commercial possible. And it's it's impossible. You can't mm. because if you're seeing any movies or watching any TV at all, which I don't even see that many movies lately, or, or go to a lot of or watch a lot of TV these days, but mm. it's everywhere. You know, it's like I was at a show a couple months back, and they had the the first trailer for Terminator Dark Fate, and I, uh, I turned to the missus, and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be having to to see the trailer too. I mean, at this point, I can't. I'm not going to leave and walk away because um, we said it a few times this episode, Scott. A couple of these moments in these movies were spoiled by the ad campaigns. Yeah. And if you remove a couple of those things from the ad campaigns and add other stuff to kind of as a misdirection, it would have been a million times better. If we found out that Marcus was a machine through the course of the movie and that John was turning heel in this one, I think it would have been a brilliance. I mean, let's go back. Rewind the clock. Time displacement <laughs> style. Back to 91. And we have the, the early teaser, not even the trailer... For Terminator 2, it was, I think, a Stan Winston-produced thing. Just like you said last episode, it was a teaser. We had no idea if Arnold was bad or good, but they basically showed an assembly line of Terminators. And that answered the question for less savvy viewers, how is Arnie coming back if he was destroyed at the end of the first one? Well, you have an assembly line of these guys, you know, and and they come out and they're machined and they look like Arnie. And so it's really, that was brilliant because at that point, you don't know if he's good or bad. He looks bad in that commercial. So I'm trying to stay away from as many trailers as possible, including the newest one just came out. I have no idea what they're going to do. I love Gabriel mm-hmm. Luna. I think he's he's fantastic in other stuff he's done. Matador, and he was uh, the, the Ghost Rider in um, the Hulu. Uh, excuse me. Oh, God. Not yeah. anymore. Um, the Hulu show got canceled for, uh, before um, it went to production. He was Ghost Rider in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I thought he did an amazing mm. job at that character. Um, so I'm excited to see what he is. I'm nervous about the escalation of Terminators because every time we have a new movie, you have a new outlandish Terminator model that's a thousand times better than the last one. And it's going to get really ridiculous fast. So I'm a little apprehensive. I don't know what they're doing with with Arnold. He's coming back as, an, I assume, an aged Terminator, just a lot like this one. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, Linda Hamilton keeps saying in her interviews, she said she wants viewers to really feel her age in yeah. this one. She's not hiding it. She's, she wants people to feel like she's been around forever and fighting. Now she's become the hunter. She is the Terminator hunter. Um, so that's an interesting concept. I mean, I'm concerned there's no John Connor in this at well, all. Um, at least from, from yeah. the ads, there's <clears throat> nothing. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. So this so. is the thing. One of the things I do think they've learned a lesson because every trailer I've seen um, and every sort of snippet I've seen is focused on two, uh, three things. There, is, there are three right. <clears throat> action set pieces that, that, that seem mm-hmm. to be cropping up again and again. And there's the bit with the bridge, which is clearly like Sarah's... Um, introduction you know you get her hero shot of her stepping Mm -hmm. out the van that's been in it from the very beginning if anything i think that was like the first thing you ever saw so you've got this this bit on the bridge where she fights sort of gabriel luna's uh terminator for the first time there's a bit with a plane at the end um of the trailers i've seen a lot Mm -hmm. you know where they seem to be on a plane um i'm hoping it's not the same runway Mm -hmm. that was used in uh, fast and furious 6 you know the sort of the 25 mile runway Mm. um and then there's yeah. another one that sort of seems to be um, in either a police station or something like that. <clears throat> so all I can think is, and that's not really revealed a great deal. There's just sort of a little bit of it. And I'm like, okay, they seem to be your, your key elements. But I've still got masses mm-hmm. of questions. Like, I don't know who the young girl is they're protecting. Uh, you know, this Grace, mm-hmm. they sort of revealed a little bit about her. But I'm like, I still don't know what she is. Where's, let's say, where's John? Right. Where's um, who is this Arnie? You know they seem to have confirmed he is he is a T eight hundred, but like mm-hmm. yeah, who is he? What's he doing? Like I, I'm convinced they've learned a lesson, and there's more. Like you have seen because they are using the same thing over and mm-hmm. over again. I'm hoping like yeah. touch wood. I'm I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah, you because know, it might be the rest of the film is <laughs> so bad that they just can't show it. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping that like they've gone, okay, well, we're going to choose that and that and that because that's the way that there's some good action there and all you've seen is like two minutes of the film and there's some other st- stuff sure. like, you know, there's going to have to be, like they've got to address like, where is John? They they mm-hmm. can't not, you know, unless they're like, I don't know, they're going to have to address it. Um, so who knows? Um I, I think I think they've learned a lesson, and I think they're going to be they're being very savvy on this one. And um, right, apparently, I, I heard Edward Furlong was on set. Now I don't know if that was to mm-hmm. just as a visit or what, because he's not in a great place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, um, but apparently the other thing is there is flashbacks in this film to T uh, two, mm-hmm. and they did some face matching for. So they had an eleven year old boy on set, and he was playing a T2 um, John Connor and they were going to do some face matching for a young Edward Furlong so wow <clears throat> I, I assume that's going to be Sarah you know having her having her flashbacks and stuff we'll have to see but right I don't know it's... well it, it's interesting because when I saw when I saw Arnie in the in the cast list of course you know we all just assume automatically he's going to be a yeah. Terminator again right but there's been some other uh Terminator related books and comics where uh, there is uh, uh, the visual of Arnold Schwarzenegger in some of these books and stuff like little like spin-offs or whatever and but he's not always mm-hmm. a Terminator sometimes he's a human who's an ally like he's you know there was a book series uh, that took place 
just like everything, right yeah. after T2, you know, it's direct sequel to T2, forget everything else. And uh, I think it was called, like, T2 Infiltrator yes, and yeah, T2 yeah. War and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, they were pretty good books, you know, and one of them uh, involved the person who the machines were based on uh, joining forces yes. with Sarah and John. So in a way, you actually got a human representation of Arnold in, in the books. And he was like a soldier, and he his genes were used for some sort of Terminator experiment. And his name was, I think, Dieter von Rostock. That's right. Yes, right? I do I remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Such an interesting name. And and it, it, but he was like a human. And at first, you know, Sarah was like, "I don't trust him." And John's like, "He's a person," you know. So it was kind of a cool dynamic. I was wondering if they were doing that with this one, but it certainly seems like they're going back yeah. to uh, the well of it's. Yeah. He's a machine, you know, and it's you got to have that iconic scene where he's got his guns and his sunglasses and you know there's even some action figures coming out from uh NECA toys and they're doing uh, an older sarah connor and the older terminator and both of those characters have about 15 accessories of weaponry that come with them so there's obviously going to be a lot of shooting and fighting in in this one there you know but we'll see how much they're actually in it you know i'm wondering if they're only going to be in a small part of the movie Uh, i I hope they're in more that's that's another thought like maybe they're only showing these parts of the film because that's what they're in you know, it might be a mm-hmm. it might be a sort of a, a handing off of the of the torch sort of thing, uh, passing the baton. I don't yeah. know. Um, I've, I'm I'm hopeful. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I like the first Deadpool film. I think it's very good. I think Tim Miller's done mm-hmm. some of the good stuff. He's got a good aesthetic. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, right. I agree. Uh, yep. But we will we will be back to talk about that when it comes out. And um, I'll either mm-hmm. I'll either be. It'll either be a bit like our first episode where we were like, "Yeah, no, that's amazing," or it'll be a bit like Terminator Genesis where I'm like, "Just fucking die." Just some of our listeners may not want to hear us talk about Terminator anymore after this one because I think they're just they're probably just yeah. done with it. You know, just just done with it. Just hey, let's kind of take over and finish it. The know? problem I have with doing these retrospectives, I go back yeah. to films I really love, and you go, "Yeah, they're great," and then you carry on watching the sequels, and you're like, "Why do I even own these? Like they're horrendous." Right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So, but that's that's the films. So we're gonna just just sort of finish out with one last little thing if that's okay um uh-huh. in uh following the first film so it was in 1990 i think the 1989 1990s released um dark horse had the uh, rights to do the comic books for the terminator series they had the rights to everything that was 20th century uh i was gonna say 20th century geek then 20th century fox um and um <laughs> they had uh, alien they had predator and terminator and they released a series of um a four-issue miniseries called... It was originally called Tempest, um, or just The Terminator, as it's often referred to. But it kick-started off a comic book um, series. And I've got them all, actually. There was like, so there's... I forget they're all, they're all called now, but there's um, The Terminator, Secondary Objectives. Uh, there's about four or mm-hmm. five uh, miniseries that sort of form yep. an entire story. Um, yeah, The Enemy Within, Hunters and Killers... Uh, and uh, yeah. I really enjoy them. I think they're fantastic. I actually really, but but um, I've got I've actually got and I've got it here. If you see, I've got the the big oversized um, collection that uh, <laughs> Dark Horse did recently. But you you hadn't read them, so I was wondering. You said you'd read the more recent ones. Have you gone back and read the original yes. four? Yes. So I mean, so so I have some in my hand. I think we have almost the same mm. thing. Um, so basically, is that there were some. Um, Comics even before that, from 88 to 90, from Now mm. Comics. Um, All My Futures Past, The Burning Earth, 
there was some famous stuff. I think Alex Ross was involved wow. with some of that stuff too, actually. Um, so there's some pretty interesting, interesting stuff with the Terminator comics out there. Um, my limited experience with the comics is they're hit yeah. or miss, right? I haven't haven't read a ton to really um, get a great overview of it, but I've I've read enough to kind of know that some are great and some kind of miss yeah. the mark, right? So I went back. Re- so recently, I went back and I got the um, the Dark Horse four issue series that uh, we were talking about. I think you, you originally called it the yeah. Tempest. You said right, um, and I was really impressed with that. Um, you know, it was pretty interesting to read a story before the second movie had come out in pop culture. That was the most mm. interesting thing about it, and seeing where writers uh, could could take the story um, from there. You know, John Arcudi was the writer of this, and um, you know, he's done a lot of other stuff. I think he was actually involved with, with the mask. Which was crazy, yeah. So I mean, he, so yeah, so he he's been been around uh, comics like that for a while. So I really thought it was interesting to see all their storylines in this universe. So you have a group of you know, like tech com tech com soldiers coming back from the future. Not just one person, but you have a squad mm. of guys, uh, and they're kind of intercepted by a squad of machines. And it's pretty interesting because they answer certain questions like, why don't Terminators hide weaponry under their human flesh kind of thing you know what i mean they have questions like that that's pretty interesting uh two of the scientist characters in this uh first dark horse series pretty much remind me of the two cyberdyne um uh office workers from the deleted scenes of t1 remember we talked about it last episode looking at them they look a lot like the guys being like hey hide this little computer chip don't tell the cops about it kind of thing where it's like these guys here kind of look like potentially the same characters i don't know probably vastly different but they look very similar to me so i'm like that's pretty interesting so i really like the 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 first four issue series Uh, i've read a couple other ones that aren't as good um for me you know i know this dark horse Mm -hmm. has done a bunch they did um robocop versus terminator like i really enjoyed that one when it came out uh that was a blast they had a couple video games and some figures for that um but some of the ones based on some of the movies like with salvation and stuff like that um didn't work for me. There's a, there was a series called I think Terminator Infinity, where it's like you they fought a machine who had his own time travel device in his body, so he could yeah. just go whenever he wanted to. He could just jump for forward and backwards, and they they play fast and loose with the timelines a lot. Um, one series I did like was a couple years back, and I'm I'm looking at it right now. So it was uh, Terminator 2029. It was a three issue series, and then there was a follow up series called The Terminator 1984. Mm. And it's basically set... I think it's Jed Whedon might have, might have written it too. So Joss Whedon's brother, I think, was involved with it. Um, and it's sort of set sort of in the timeline, like a what-if timeline of T1. So we get to know the troopers in the future. We get to really kind of spend a lot of time with these these future characters. And they're not just cannon fodder in, in that series. They're actually kind of lovable. Like, you know, they're, you know they're, they're losing the war, but they're trying to stay hopeful and you really kind of stick with them and one of the interesting things about one of those series is that they theorize what if kyle reese didn't perish at the end of part one is that he was mortally wounded he got taken away but actually he had a heart rate and he was taken to some government facility and he actually lived to become an old Mm. man and that was kind of a an interesting concept where it's like you now have an older kyle reese who's alive kind of thing and it it, that was kind of an interesting one but um so my experience with the comics is all over the place uh how about you what's your experience with some of these comics yeah look yourself i I, um 
when I sort of first found that first first uh, four issue miniseries, I sort of uh, tracked down the the floppies for it because you can't really get them in trade. Actually, I don't think they've really been collected much. Right. Um, but then I did. I got the whole like the rest of them. Like I said the secondary objective, enemy within, and it goes on and on. <clears throat> and it jumps around mm-hmm. the timeline, but yep. it, it has like a collection of characters, and you actually get some really interesting concepts of like there's two characters in particular that sort of that that stay mm-hmm. throughout it, and um, they go. It gets a bit like batshit crazy at times. Um, in one of the series, mm-hmm. there's a termite that comes back that you find out has actually survived from the first comic, uh, and has been able to rebuild himself. Yeah. But instead of just like rebuilding himself, he's now like welded on like horns and spikes and all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, there's a, there's a it, it's one of my favourite panels of like you look at because the art is great. It's very nineties, but it's great. And you see this Terminator like stepping out of a truck and he's got horns and stuff. And you're like, yeah, that's amazing. It's like you'd never see that on. It's one of those things like you'd never see it on film, but it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, no, I think that that sort of comic series is good fun. It's really good fun. It, it um, originally it was set to be nineteen ninety and then go on, but they actually retcon it to be um, happening whilst T one is going on. So the final, uh, I think, Enemy huh. Within actually I think the final sort of three or four issues actually ends with the birth of John Connor. Like there's a Terminator trying to get to the hospital um, to kill Sarah while she's giving birth. And they have to yes. take him out and stuff, and it ends yeah. with with uh, um, John's birth. So that's quite cool. So there's stuff like that, that I thought was quite cool. I've I've read a couple of yeah. others like the post Terminator Two stuff, and a couple. Of, I think that Infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there was another one. Ah, the Salvation. I tried to sort of dip into the Salvation ones. I didn't really like them. It, it yeah. felt a little bit, like you say, hollow tying into the film. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's been good and the bad, and I think like you say, like with most tie-ins, if you get a good story and they're able to run with it um it's quite good it's the same with others like i say i i, I mm-hmm. really like some of the early um predator dark horse comics uh, right and and the yep. alien stuff is amazing so yeah I, I think they did some good work it's worth checking out if you're a fan of the films like you know it's better than genesis <laughs> so yeah um but i, <laughs> right, I do think exactly. if you're a fan of the first couple of films uh the first trilogy in particular like track down some of these comics i think i think they're worth checking out and there's even some so like some people aren't big into comics. Like there was there was a couple motion comics mm. that they made for some of the I think the really early stuff. I think you know um, even the like the now comics stuff. Uh, I think they did like motion comics of it where you pop in a DVD. You almost get a little bit of like a like a radio uh, serial, like a little drama that plays out the comic. You know, which is pretty interesting because some of these stories take place in Russia mm. and how the the Russian response dealt with the. The, um, the nuclear fallout and, and having these people try to like make sense of everything that was happening and then you have like these various term- see the only problem is you have Terminators every minute of every day there's so many yeah. back in time it's like it becomes a little far-fetched um, one of the ones I thought was kind of, actually kind of interesting was the T3 ones which is flew under the radar for most fans it was by Beckett Comics and they um, they had Eyes of the Rise and Before the Rise I think it was and Before the Rise I think they follow the process of capturing a t-800 or t-850 and reprogramming him what what does Mm. that take because it's like in his own like i liked it because they kind of showed the machine's thought process being like why am i being told that my friends are my enemies that 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 my cybernetic um kind are the bad guys kind of thing so it was they played with that concept a little bit Mm. which i thought was interesting because his brain was trying to override it being like this is wrong like humans are the target and the program that was coming in was going no 
you need to hunt this woman, this TX. She's going to be the one that's going to take you down. You better watch out. So is this, this whole concept of, you know, trying to override that. And I think, you know, the one in that book, you're, it's implied that he's the one that's in mm. the movie, but he gets destroyed at the end. And, like, he sacrifices himself. He it finally clicks in, and he goes, okay, I need to protect humanity and protect Kate Brewster. And he dies. His machine gets destroyed. But then it ends with Kate finding out that they've captured a new one that's not harmed, and I think is actually the one that killed John. And they said, okay, well, we need to use it. That's the one that's got to go back kind of thing. So that was interesting. And then I think one of them was about um, the eyes of the rise, I think is about the TX's point of view. So it shows her in the future, and they have her training. Of course, she's like mm -hmm. nude. <laughs> you don't see anything, but she's she's naked, and she's, um, she's fighting um, a T-1000 for training, actually. And that was interesting because it shows at least I took it as, why they don't keep sending back T-1000s. Because even though they, they were cool and they had a lot of abilities, they were unstable. Mm. It was that they didn't have the, the metal chassis underneath where that um, they, they became unstable. So she, the TX actually destroyed the T-1000 like nothing. Um, they call it a T-1001 or something. And she, she her cannon just like melts him basically. Right. So like the fact that she had um, a combat chassis underneath her liquid metal skin, I thought was a great, in that film combination of the two but maybe that's why they didn't go back to kind of the, the well a third time having more t1000s over and over again but um they were interesting they weren't like amazing but they had some cool concepts and i know some of these other ones it seems like a lot of uh comic companies came out with terminator mm -hmm. comics so i think Dy dynamite came out with a bunch of them so you know track them down if you like the series and if you don't like them just chuck them in the bin because there's there's <laughs> enough of them out there you can kind yeah, of ignore if you don't, if you don't some, like one so. another one will be but, along yeah. in a minute that you might like Right, but you you recommend the dark horse I, I ones? I really though, right? do. I really Scott? enjoy them, and um, they 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 stick to yeah. a, they they stick to their continuity, and they um, they try to work within the sort of the science and the physics of the film as well. So they they adhere to that quite quite well. Uh, there is another one, and I th I think at the, oh, I'm another sorry. One. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that I think uh, right now, as the time of this recording, I think there's a comment. Uh, there's a current Terminator series that's. I think called the Sector mm. War, or maybe it came out last year. Um, I haven't checked it out. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I mean, so this is a franchise that has enough legs to keep publishing spin-off stories. So I mean, you know, some of them are great, some of them probably not so good, but you just got to try them yeah, out. Yeah, and there's because I mean, the, the series I was going to quickly shout is a three-issue uh, mini-series from the again from the sort of mid to late nineties. It's called Terminator Hunter Killers, and it, it it's set yes. in Russia. Um, yep. And the reason I like that that, that series, it's, it's it's an all right series. I think it's quite good fun. Um, but I actually mm -hmm. like the covers more than anything. So <laughs> I think you don't know what I'm going to say because basically the guy who designed the covers just said, "I really like Arnie as the Terminator, but just so you know, he's Russian. He's wearing like a Russian CCP <laughs> Soviet <Yes>. Russian hat." <laughs> Uh, and it's it's just sort of like oh we've taken the model from T T two or whatever and then we've just put him in a, a like a, a Russian overcoat and stuff like that. It's, it's brilliant. I just think they're hilarious covers. The the guy basically watched Red Heat with Arnie yes. and was like, you know what, let's yeah. do a Terminator story because that's the same kind of yeah. concept, you know. <laughs> but it is cool uh, though. So yeah. like you said, it's got legs. I just like you say, maybe just missing heart. Uh, so yeah. let's see what happens with Dark Fate. We'll have to see what happens. Yep, yeah. fingers crossed, but man. Brian, yep. thank you so much for coming back on, and uh, we will be having a bonus episode where you and I will get together to have a chat about uh, Dark Fate when it's released, and uh, and uh, let's mm -hmm. see what what happens. But thank you so much for coming on; I really appreciate it. 
Thank you, Scott. And we promise the listeners it will not be as long as these ones. We we, <laughs> yeah. we swear it will not be as long as the other ones. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. there'll be something to say. But like you say, one, it's only one film. It's only one film. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Exactly. Cheers. All right, man. Cool. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another great 20th Century Geek episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact to suggest topics for future shows or just chat about everything nerdy, you can email me at 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. That's 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. Or find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Just search for 20th Century Geek. If you would like to support the show, please go on your podcast catcher and leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. It raises the show in the ranks and lets more people know about the podcast. If you want to show more support for the podcast, we do have an Amazon wishlist. Just go on Amazon and search for 20th Century Geek and you will find a list of books that will help with research for future podcasts. And don't forget, we love second-hand books in 20th Century Towers. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.